from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the live line. If you have not become a member, please make sure you do so now on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Why? Three reasons. Number one, it's free. Number two, you get emailed every single time the show goes live. Only members do, so it makes it super easy for you. All you have to do is you get an email sent to your phone, you click on the email, it says Wake Up Calls Live, listen now, you click listen now and you're good to go. So it sends it right to your phone, right to your device, anything that's connected to your email, your desktop, your laptop, iPad, iPod, notebook, whatever it may be, it connects right to your email, sends you an email, says Dance Tour is live, you want to listen? Boom, you hit listen, takes you right through, and only those that are members can chat with me in the live chat room. So I I suggest that you get on it now and chat with me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. On today's show, Tuesday, September 26th of 2017, we are starting off the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street. In Syracuse, New York, in the regional market, across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora Special, and on today's broadcast, we are going to be featuring, to start off the show, wall-to-wall and NFL coverage, and we're going to start things off with On the Prowl, which is the Jaguars' signature segment that we did, the signature segment in connection with the Jacksonville Jaguars, coverage of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Very, very excited to bring this to you every single Tuesday morning to start off the show. So, wall-to-wall coverage, we're starting off today's show with On the Prowl, which is Jacksonville Jaguars talk, and then we'll get into complete NFL coverage, NFL Week 3, the fantasy implications, kneeling, solidarity, and so much more. What happened on the field, what shocked me, what did not shock me, what was something I should have trusted my gut with and I did not And then what were the things that I thought, okay, you know what? You look at this team, and and you figured this would happen, but you didn't know. There was a lot of strange things that happened in Week 3. And for some odd reason, I walked into Week 3 thinking, this week's probably going to get weird. I walked into this week saying, something something just, just didn't feel right. You know, when it comes to the NFL, I was like this, you know, this week three, I was like, this is probably the week where people are going to win that aren't supposed to and this, that and the other. So very, very interesting and very excited to share these with you and, and what I took away from week three as we move forward into week four of the NFL. And of course, as we always do on every single Tuesday broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora exclusively, we finish off the show at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time with the Ingredients to Success proudly presented to you by Utica Pizza Company and It's a Utica thing, which is Utica Pizza Company on wheels coming to your location. So make sure that you connect with 
Utica Pizza Company, 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. A very, very wonderful, wonderful place. Great food. Ectocores knows what I'm talking about to the nth degree. So many people go there so often. The thing is, once you go to Utica Pizza Company once, you have to go like weekly. Or I mean, it's I mean, it's crazy. Once you go, one you could go anytime. Because you go there, you get the chicken riggies, and then you're like, all right, these were good. Then you go there and you get the vodka. You know, you, you get some of that vodka sauce on something else, loving that. You get the wake-up call number one pick, chicken riggy pizza another time. You get the eggplant rollatini pizza that you can make with eggplant as well as uh, as rigot on top of it. And that's a create your own. Then you get the Utica-style wings. Then you get the greens. Then you get the Italian wedding soup. Then you get their specials. And when they have fish, I... It, Utica Pizza Company, hands down, one of the greatest Italian restaurants I have ever eaten at anywhere in the country, and I am a very, very proud card-carrying Italian, and so when I tell you it's good, it's good. So head over to Utica Pizza Company, 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, in the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners. It's all, I mean, it, it truly, truly, it's the, if I'm driving in that direction, I'm like, well, I guess I have to stop and get Utica Greens now or a slice of pizza. So, 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 so very, very, very good. And the wake-up call number one pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza, is available there by the slice or by the pie. So make sure that you get it. And thank you so much to the amazing, amazing community of people that have gone to Utica Pizza Company and shown some love for them. So we will do ingredients to success to round out today's show. And we'll get you set for tomorrow, which I'm very excited. I mean, the thing is, I'm so excited about Tuesdays because Tuesday I get to go ham with the NFL. Tuesday, because Monday Night Football, as soon as Monday Night Football ends, it's like, boom. All right, that week is now over, and now I can talk about it the next day. I mean, we talked some NFL. We could do some things here and there on a Monday. But on Tuesday, it's like all the Sunday games are over. The Thursday game obviously was over, and now the Monday night game is over. So I'm your first voice in the morning that gets to talk about this. So I'm very, very excited to do that with you this morning. So once again, on the prowl, Jacksonville Jaguars talk, moving into wall-to-wall NFL coverage, moving from there to ingredients to success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company, and it's a Utica thing. So hope you're doing well this morning. We got a lot to talk about. There, you know, I went back to the tape on a game last night, so we're going to discuss that as well, and we will go anywhere that this NFL conversation takes us. If you have a question, comment, thought on the NFL, then make sure that if you're listening, you become a member of MixLR.com backslash DT because you need to do that in order to write in the live chat room. So for those of you that have already become members, shout out to you. You could chat with me in the live chat room. We could also talk on Facebook at DT, Twitter at CallDT, and on Instagram at Dan Tortora Media. So make sure that you do that as well. I love it. EctoCore says it really is a Utica thing. Delicious. It is. It is so so very good. Utica Pizza Company. And I'm uh, I'm putting up the email address for all of you that that are on the live line and listening in, so that you could check that out. Let's get things started first and foremost. In the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York. 
in the regional market across from Destiny USA with On the Prowl, my signature Jacksonville Jaguar segment. Lurking in the shadows is a predator unlike any other. Cities all over the nation be on alert. This predator doesn't slow down. It doesn't take a break. It's always on the prowl. Joining you on the prowl to talk Jacksonville Jaguars is Dan Tatora. On the Prowl, Jacksonville Jaguars coverage you find every single Tuesday morning to start off the show in season on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And boy, was this a game by the Jaguars in London. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't like that the Jaguars give up a home game to London. It stinks because, well, I mean, selfishly, I cover the Jaguars. So for the home games, you have you have seven instead of eight. So, yeah, selfishly, I'm like, ah, oh, this stinks. I mean... Could I go to London? Yeah, I mean, we get we get sent the credentialing information to London. I'd love to go to London, and I'd love to go see one of these uh, see one of these games. But you know, it's preparation. It's and I'm not going without the wife. So you got to be smart about that. I don't want to go without my lady. So, you know, but the thing is, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they give up a home game, and like I said, I'm not a fan of them giving up a home game. However. Look at what the Jaguars do. Look at what they do when they're overseas. Jacksonville Jaguars win games. They win games when they're overseas. Which is crazy. Well, I shouldn't... I'm not going to say it's crazy. It's just... Wow. The way that they win. There's four games that are going to be played overseas. One already has Jacksonville against Baltimore. The New Orleans Saints will play at the Miami Dolphins because Miami gave up a home game. The Arizona Cardinals will be playing at the Los Angeles Rams because they gave up a home game. And the Minnesota Vikings will be playing at the Cleveland Browns because they gave up a home game. And the Cardinals-Rams and the Minnesota Vikings-Cleveland Browns game will be at Twickenham. But the New Orleans Saints and Miami will be at Wembley where Jacksonville's game was as well. So there's four games being played there this season alone. Four being played there this season. It's crazy. So if you go back and you look at this, if you go back to 2007, the Giants played the Dolphins there. Giants won. The Saints beat the Chargers. The Patriots beat the Bucks. The Niners beat the Broncos, the Bears beat the Buccaneers, the Patriots beat the Rams that were St. Louis at the time, Minnesota beat beat Pittsburgh, San Fran beat Jacksonville in 2013, Miami beat Oakland, you look at all of this that has gone on, Detroit beat the Falcons by one, so there's been plenty of, I mean the thing that's crazy about it is you don't think that... There's been that many games played in the UK, but there has. So you look at these London games. Now the Jaguars agreed to go to London in 2013 and give up a home and give up one of their home games. So in 2013 they started it. 
in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and they have a they have an agreement with London through 2020, which means they will only have seven home games for the next three seasons as well. So the Jaguars just giving it up and moving forward into London Town, which you know, I mean, this is, it, but it's an it's an opportunity for them to be out there, and it's an opportunity for them to you know gauge some interest from people around the world, which is something that they, you know, obviously hope to do. In the first couple games that they had over there, they weren't doing that well, but the Jaguars since then went over there and played the Buffalo Bills in the 2015-16 season, won that game 34-31. In 2016-17, the Jaguars went over there and faced the Indianapolis Colts and won that game 30-27, and they just won this one 44-7. So, Jaguars went in two very close games in London the last couple seasons. So, a loss for them in 2013, a loss in 2014, and then a win in 2015, 2016, and now in 2017. The Jaguars are on a three-game winning streak in London. So, now all of a sudden, it looks like it could be home. Or that it, maybe it is home at this point. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, they played a lot better there than they played at home recently. And that's the crazy thing about the Jaguars is that here on the prowl, speaking on the Jacksonville Jaguars as we do every Tuesday morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora's signature segment on the prowl, the the Jaguars in week one, they're on the road in a divisional matchup against the Houston Texans. And play lights out, 29-7. Boom, love it. Only allow one touchdown in the third quarter, that's it. Playing up against DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, Marcus Mariota, Eric Decker, pardon me, against the Houston Texans, pardon me. I'm getting ahead of myself. Against the Houston Texans, you win 29-7. DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller and company, and Jadavian Clowney and the defense on the other side of things, they win 29-7. You talk about the Houston Texans rush defense. How about, or, you know, I mean, you look at their ability to get to the quarterback. How about Jacksonville? 10 sacks in the first week of the season this season. 29 7 victory over the Houston Texans on the road against a team that's numerous times in recent history won the AFC South Division over the Jaguars and everybody else. You defeat them, you get 10 sacks, which is a third, pretty much, of the sacks you had all of last year through 16 games. 33 sacks last season. 10 in the first game this season. Then you come home and play the Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray, Eric Decker, Richard Matthews, and company, and you literally put up an embarrassing game at home. Then you go to London Town, and then you win 44-7. So Doug Marone got into this thing, and I want to discuss it on the prowl, where Doug Marone was saying, you know, what? what's our identity over here, boys? we got to figure out what the identity is. Quote, your identity is going to be defined not by what you say. It's about what your results are. Right now we're talking about consistency, being able to play with consistency. We all know that's the one thing we have to go out there and put back-to-back games together right now. End quote. Coming from Doug Marone. Quote, I think it's a snapshot of exactly how we play and what we want to do in all three phases. End quote. Is what Doug Marone said about the 44-7 victory in London. 
he went on to say, quote, when you go out there on Sunday, you have to perform that way and really focus and put yourself into a zone, for lack of a better term, to make sure you are not trying to force things. My experience with teams and players of all positions is that when you try to make something happen, that is when things can become undone a little bit. If everyone is working together, doing what they were taught to do, then you have a better chance of being consistent and getting the results that you want, end quote. So, you know, very bland answer and very real answer, but I mean, you know, it's the truth. If you guys play together and you don't force things, you got a good shot at winning games. That is true. That is a true statement by Dougie Marone. As the Jaguars fight for consistency and consistency they need. I mean, look, you if you look at this season, I mean, it's... 29-7 win on the road. 44-7 win in London. Ye- oh, seriously. Hours and hours ahead of time. And then a loss at home. The only home game they've had so far. A loss at home to Tennessee. 37-16. to You win your first game by 22. You win your third game by 37 and you lose your home game by 21. Makes no sense. So, they are fighting for consistency. Fighting for a team that is going to, week to week, put out consistently good, strong games. But to be 2-1, and one, it's the first time, well, first of all, when they were 1-0, it was the first time the Jaguars had a winning record in since 2007, in a decade. First time they had a winning record. Now they have a, a winning record once again through three games, which is remarkable for the Jaguars because the Jaguars are not known to have winning records. They're not known to be able to do what needs to be done to close out a game. They're usually struggling. And this year, I know we're only three games in, but they've started out with making some fans in Jag Nation feel pretty darn good. I mean, you talk about how does a team respond to a game? How do they respond to losing? Now look at how the Jaguars responded. 21-point loss at home. What was their response? 44-7 victory. And the only reason why that seven points came in, the Jaguars had taken out a bunch of their, I shouldn't say the only reason. I'm going to give some credit to Ben Watson. And it's been a while since he got a touchdown and whatnot. But you have to look at it like this. Backups were in. It was backups playing backups. Ryan Mallett came in for Joe Flacco. The Jaguars were going to their backups at their defensive positions. And that touchdown. So this isn't the Jaguars ones against the Ravens ones, and that brought about this score. This this was literally backups against backups, and the score happened when the backups were playing each other. It was forty four to zero when starters were playing starters, and it was a hell of an effort and a hell of a game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hell of a game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now they have the opportunity to go on the road and play at the Jets. But this was such a friggin' weird week in the NFL, and I'm going to get to it in a moment, but the Jets are a huge part of why I think this week was super weird. 
Super weird. Jacksonville is at the Jets. They play the Jets and the Giants all the time. They always throw a New York team on there. Jets, Giants, Bills. They make it happen. Always finding their way up to New York or New Jersey. Because we all know that there's only one team that's in the state of New York. That's Buffalo. And the Jets and the Giants are in New Jersey. So... The Jaguars, this was kind of an interesting take, though. The Jaguars decided not to take their bye week after London. After you go to London, your team has an opportunity to say, okay, we want to take a bye week. And I didn't know that, but allegedly the the Ravens and the Jaguars were given the opportunity of having their bye week after playing overseas because, you know, it's a little bit jarring and whatnot and jet lag and going back in time, being on a long flight, playing, going back on a long flight, trying to get your body reacclimated to everything. Your body thought it was noon for God knows how many years, then all of a sudden it was like five o'clock and now you have to go back and it was noon. And so there's an adjustment to that. But the Ravens and the Jaguars said, you know what? No, we don't want the week off. We want to keep playing. Jaguars are at the Jets, which seems to bode well for them despite the recent win by the Jets. The Ravens are at home, which is a good thing, but they're playing the Steelers, and the Steelers are not too shabby this season. The Steelers have been, you know, squeaking out wins and whatnot, although they looked atrocious against the Chicago Bears. So neither one of these teams takes the bye week, which I think is an interesting factor here. Another thing that I found to be an interesting factor is that the Jaguars leading the game substantially decided to show one of their trick plays. And they were ahead 37 to nothing. So my question to you on on Twitter at CallDT was, should the Jaguars have done this? Was it smart for the Jaguars to put out one of their trick plays and open up their playbook a little bit in a game that was already done? And this is what you guys had to say. 56% of you said no. Ahead 37 to nothing. Jaguars used a fake punt direct snap play to Corey Grant. It worked, but would you have opened this up in a game that was already over? 56% of you were, you know, I agree with you, said no. 44% of you, or 44% of you said yes. 44% of you said hell yeah. Why the heck not? Why don't we do it? Come on, show the Jaguars. I like that the Jaguars are winning. I want them to win by as many points as possible. Let's take advantage of the situation and let's make it happen. But, and it did set up a Leonard Fournette touchdown, which helped out my fantasy team. Shout out. But, I agree with with the people that said no. I don't think you should ever open your playbook when you're winning by that much. The game is over. The game was done. There's no reason to open your playbook. Now, Credit to the Jaguars defense who, you know, I picked up the Jaguars defense in fantasy and and there's been the notion of, yeah, okay, the Jaguars defense, why would they be good? They stink, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? The Jaguars defense kept the Ravens to under 100 yards until just under 12 minutes to play in the game. The Ravens did not get to 100 yards of total offense until the fourth quarter. Other side of things here, 
Blake Bortles, good reality and good fantasy game. Blake Bortles, 20 for 31, 244 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and came out of the game with 930 to play. And it was great seeing Ryan Nassib on the sideline speaking with Chad Henney and going over things because obviously Ryan knows this offense all too well. And you don't forget that stuff. And he was somebody who ran the Nate Hackett and Doug Marone offense first. So that was a decision of bringing him onto the team. I said should have been done years ago, and I'm happy that they finally did it. So it's great to see that happen. So very, very excited about that for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And and obviously Blake Bortles having a great, great fantasy game doing a lot of great things out there. Like I said, 20-31, 244 passing yards, four touchdowns is the big one. This is the big one. Four touchdowns to no interceptions. And Blake has gotten better from week to week. He had 125 passing yards in week one, 223 in week two, now 244 in week three. And if you look at Blake Bortles' statistics outside of that, Blake Bortles had one touchdown, no interceptions in week one in a win. One touchdown, two interceptions in a loss in week two. Four touchdowns, no interceptions in a win in week three. Six touchdowns to two interceptions in the first three weeks of play. He ran the ball for four yards a carry in the first game, seven yards a carry in the second, six yards a carry in the third. Has had double-digit carry yards in two or three games, 11-yard carry against Tennessee, and a 15-yard carry against Houston. So he has obviously shown that he is consistently improving this season and getting better. That helps with Leonard Fournette. It helps with an improved defense. It helps with – I mean, you got to look at the fact like this, okay? Cam Robinson, the starting left tackle of the team, is a rookie, number one. Number two, he was out – he was out. He was. He went out for a little bit in this game because of an ankle injury and came back. So you didn't have your left tackle the whole time, right? You had him most of the game, but not the whole time. And he's a rookie. These are his first three NFL games ever. Okay. Yeah, he came from Alabama, so people are like, whatever. He's most prepared for the NFL, and you may be right in that situation. But he's still a rookie. It takes time. But look at this team. Look at what they have done and how smart. The Jaguars drafted Cam Robinson, starting left tackle, looking pretty damn good in that running game, right? Corey Corey Grant's running the ball. Leonard Fournette's running the ball. Chris Ivory's running the ball. I think Chris Ivory's better catching out of the backfield. But we're moving, the Jaguars are moving the ball. And Leonard Fournette, look at this, just look at when people say Blake Bortles is this and Blake Bortles is that and it's all Blake Bortles' fault and he woke up in the morning and decided he wanted to suck and he sucks and blah, 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 blah. It's ignorance. Look at the team. Your left tackle is better. Bortles is better. Your running back is actually a running back that can run the ball. Crazy. I know it's crazy, but last year, TJ Yeldon led the team in rushing yards with under 500 yards in 16 games. Leonard Fournette's going to have 500 yards by week six. And he's going to have another 10 games to play. So, Leonard Fournette makes Blake Bortles better. Cam Robinson makes Blake Bortles better. This offense is making Blake Bortles better. Because he seems to be more comfortable. 
And again, don't underestimate how important it is for a quarterback to keep his quarterback's coach with him if they have a good relationship. And Nate Hackett has been his quarterback's coach for the last two years, and now Nate Hackett is the offensive coordinator. On the other side of things, the defense helps. The defense wasn't bad last year. But this defense, you look at the guys that are on this defense. Malik Jackson won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos two seasons ago. right? Calais Campbell from the Arizona Cardinals. This guy's out there pushing with Malik Jackson, with Dante Fowler Jr. A lot of good guys. Yannick Nagakwe, who's somebody they drafted last year in the 2016 draft. Who's brought it? A.J. Bowie comes over from the Texans. He helps you as a corner. Jalen Ramsey is a physical corner on the other side. Barry Church, strong safety veteran who's been in the playoffs and knows how to win. So he's back there with you now. Then you got Miles Jack in his second season. You got Paul Puzlesny, who is timeless. This team, you have Telvin Smith from FSU, who has gone out there and just busted up. Just busted it up on the field. Made it happen on the field. One-handed yoink on that fumble. And runs it back to the one. And runs it all the way back and says, Leonard Fournette, here you go, buddy. The Jaguars have improved all around Blake Bortles. So now the pressure isn't on Blake Bortles to throw 620-some-odd times in the season like he did last year. And look at Blake Bortles. Wow, he's playing better. He looks better. People are getting off his jock a little bit and letting him play. It's not rocket science. Blake Bortles had to do everything last year. Think about the Jaguars. They're 2-1. and one. They have a winning record for the first time in a decade, and they don't have Allen Robinson, their best wide receiver, arguably. They don't have him. Mercedes Lewis, who people are like, oh, whatever. He's on the Jaguars. He signed a three-year contract. He's going to retire there. He's probably never going to play again, or he's just going to go out there for, like, fun snaps to block. He had three touchdowns in this game. He had three of Bortles' four touchdown passes went to Mercedes Lewis. He's a big guy. Nobody could stop him. Nobody could stop him on the Ravens. And the funny thing is, people were talking about the Jaguars' defense isn't too bad, and going into this game saying, "Well, this Ravens' defense is this gonna is you know is this is this Ravens' defense that defense that's gonna put them back in the upper echelon?" They got spanked. They give up 44 points in this game. 44 points, and you can't say, "Well, they were jet lagged and a practice schedule and this and that." They lost the game. If this was the Jaguars that lost 44-7, people would say, it's Jacksonville being Jacksonville, and they move on. Right? That's what they would say. So, this is a defense in Baltimore that has been catching some eyes and making some people stop and listen and look. Jaguars, same thing. They went up against each other, and the Jaguars spanked them. The Jaguars are 3-0 in the last three seasons in London, as I said, but it was barely win, barely win, and completely annihilate this is the best game by far the Jaguars have ever had in London since 2013 best game the the thing about the Jaguars in London is the fact that they in the last three years they've scored at least 30 points in London so like I said you don't want to see the Jaguars give up a home game but they seem right at home in London so you don't want to give up a home game, don't want to take that away from your fans, and at the same time, you're giving your fans a victory. And Ecto Cores, who asked me last week, 
for week two of the NFL, should I play Baltimore's defense or Jacksonville's? And I lean more on Jacksonville because of how they started things off. He went with Baltimore instead. He did okay. This time around, he went with Baltimore D over the Jacksonville defense and almost lost in fantasy because of it. So, Ecto Cores, you're a victim of consistency. Jaguars look good in week one, look good in week three. In week two, it's like, where, where'd they go? Where are the Jaguars in week two? And that is something that they have to work on. But they're on the road again. They're at the Jets. And they're going to be on the road for a little bit here. They don't have a home game until October 15th. The Jaguars, I mean, their home games are spaced out. Now, at the end of the season, they're bunched together. They have three weeks in a row in December that they are at home. Three weeks in a row in December that they are at home. Which is an awesome, awesome opportunity for them. Johnny said that Ectocores isn't the only one making some of these decisions, I guess, with the Jaguars and whatnot. So there's a lot of there's a lot for us to talk about, but I want to finish up on the prowl before we get into wall-to-wall Jacksonville coverage. I want to finish up on the prowl with something that came from the mayor of Jacksonville. Because Shad Khan decided to go down to the field, the owner of the team, and stand arm-in-arm with the Jaguars. Telvin Smith was on one side of him, Mercedes Lewis on the other. doesn't matter. I mean, they're all standing in unity. I'm just telling you what the picture looks like. And Jacksonville Mayor Lenny Curry, okay, once again, Jaguars owner Shad Khan went down and stood arm-in-arm with his players. Some of the players stood, some of them kneeled. Jacksonville Mayor Lenny Curry, who's a Jaguars fan and supporter of Shad Khan, said it was quote-unquote stupid for numerous NFL players, including the Jaguars, to kneel during Sunday's national anthem. Quote, I stand and cover my heart for the pledge and the anthem, is what was said in a statement by Curry. I think it's stupid to do otherwise. The U.S. Constitution protects the right for a lot of people to do a lot of stupid things. I am a constitutional conservative, so I respect the wisdom of our founders, end quote. So, obviously not solidarity coming from all of Jacksonville there. Now, Donald Trump had said, going into these games, quote, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bleep off the field right now, out. He's fired, he's fired, end quote. Shad Khan was one of seven NFL owners to give at least a million dollars to Trump when Trump was running for president. But Shad Khan released that statement that I had read to you yesterday that said a lot of different things, but quote, our team in the National Football League reflects our nation with diversity coming in many forms. Race, faith, our views, and our goals. We have a lot of work to do, and we can do it, but the president, pardon me, but the comments by the president make it harder. 
That's why it was important for us and personally for me to show the world that even if we may differ at times, we can and should be united in the effort to become better as people and a nation. End quote. And for the hundred millionth time, as Rob Drummond said on the show yesterday and other people have said on social media and whatnot, it is not about the flag. It's not about the flag. Colin Camper, it's not about the flag. It's not about the flag. It's not about the flag. It is about racial injustice. They're not spitting on the flag. They're not burning the flag. They're not ripping the flag apart. They're kneeling before the flag. Instead of standing, looking at the flag, they're kneeling. Because of racial injustice. Because there are some disgusting cops out there that should have never had a badge. They make the good cops look bad. And these cops are doing things that are crimes, that are disgusting, that are gross, that are taking the lives of other people. And at the end of the day, the cop isn't going to jail. They're not being convicted. Nothing's happening. How many times have you seen cop acquitted in murder trial of, or, or in, in, in death of, cop acquitted in blah, blah, blah of, cop acquitted in da, da, da of, cop will not be charged in Colin Kaepernick is saying, well, you know what? I can't speak for Colin. Rob Drummond is saying, what do we have to do? You told us to drink out of a different drinking fountain. You told us that we couldn't read. We were not allowed to read. We were not allowed to write. We were not allowed to learn. We were not allowed to have normal jobs. We were not allowed to vote. We were slaves. We fought for everything we have today. And now, a cop's badge says to protect and serve, yet there are people in the black community that don't feel protected and don't feel like anybody is serving for the greater good of all people. And if any group of people that is innocent, I'm not saying a bunch of drug dealers being like, why are these cops coming over here? If any group of people who are in, think about it. Think about if it was different, okay? Think about it if it was, especially in Central New York. Think about this because there are a lot of Italians in Central New York. If you were Italian, right? Olive complexion. And when you were walking through the mall, a cop would take you over, handcuff you, and accuse you of stealing something, then beat the hell out of you right in the middle of Destiny, USA. Take if you were Irish and in a bar and you're sitting there drinking and a cop comes over to you and says, what did you say to me? And you haven't even said a word, throws you on the ground and starts beating the hell out of you. How would you like walking into an establishment and, and the owner looking at you saying, you're not welcome here. Walk right outside. Thank you. Bye. There have been people that are gay that have been murdered for being gay. The KKK tried to attack Italians when they first assimilated into culture in America. I was living in Northeast Pennsylvania when there was an alleged person running for office not too far from me. That wasn't for Hispanic people. 
And not only did he win, but then I think now he's in Congress. Which is not fun with my background. I don't like that. So you have to look at society and you have to look at what's going on. It's not about the flag. It's not about the flag. It's about the fact that the NFL has a stage that they could stand on that you will see them on. And the NFL has decided players, not the I shouldn't say the NFL. The NFL has a stage. These players have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to show you how they feel. And during the national anthem, some of them kneel in solidarity to say, I'm not going to stand for this flag unless this flag, this flag stands for everybody. I'm not going to stand for this flag unless this flag stands for everybody. I'm not going to stand for this flag unless this flag stands for everybody. It's not about the flag. It's about the fact that there is injustice and inequality and people don't feel equal. They don't feel together. They don't feel like you have the same life that they do. And the people and for everybody that isn't black, go into the black community. Sit down with somebody, anybody, and talk to them. Talk to people in the black community. And the thing is, I don't want to say white community, black community. I'm just making an example, okay? Sit down with somebody, and for this example, I, I have to say it. Sit down with somebody in the black community. Ask them about driving in their car and having a cop behind them, okay? I have a friend, and her and I sat down. I'm not going to give her name because I respect her for this. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to put her name out there because she told me this story. But I want to make it. I want to make an example. So one of my friends was driving in her car. Nothing wrong with her car. She's just driving. Cops behind her, so she drives slow. Drive slow. Drive slow. Hoping that the cop will pass her. Cop doesn't pass her. Drive slow. Keeps driving. Pulls over. Cop goes by. Drives up behind. Cop slows down. She's sitting there. The cop's in front of her. She's like, okay, I don't want to go around this cop. Why is this cop slowing down? Goes around the cop. Starts driving. Lights come on. She gets pulled over. She pulls over to the side of the road. Both cops get out of the car. One cop goes on one side, which is a woman, and a male cop goes on the other side. She gets pulled over doing absolutely nothing. She's not doing drugs. She's not drinking. She's not wobbling all over the place on the road. Why are they both out of the car on both sides of the car? Like she's going to do something, like guns blazing or something like that. They're both standing there. They start talking to her, asking her questions and whatnot. She was in Syracuse, New York. She was in Syracuse, New York. Can you imagine going out today in your car, driving on the road, speed limit's 30, you go 30. You see a cop, now you're going 29. And you're driving and you're driving and you're driving and this cop's behind you and it's making you nervous, so you pull over. 
So the cop goes by you. Then you pull back out. Then the cop slows down. Then you pull. Then then you get in front of the cop. Then the cop pulls you over. You're not doing anything wrong. You're doing the speed limit. All your brake lights work. Everything to your knowledge works. You're not doing drugs. You're not drunk. You're not being uh, any type of uh, a detriment to society. You don't have tinted windows that are illegal and whatnot. And you pull over. And you can't figure out for the life of you what you did wrong. And before you know it, there's a cop on one side of the car and a cop on the other side of the car like you're some terrorist or something. Tell me how you would react to that. That type of stuff... That type of treatment, that type of disrespect, think about that. Think about that. If you are in the black community, if you're African American and you have a child and you're thinking in your head, my child could be walking down the wrong street at the wrong time of day with the wrong cop and just get the hell beaten out of them and maybe die. Think about that. It's not about, well, I like the flag, well, I don't, okay? I love my family. I love those in my family that fought in wars. I love those in my family that stayed home and took care of family. I love them all. I'm not going to, I can't sit here. I just can't sit here anymore. I can't, not that I ever did, but I, I just, I can't. It's just, it's ignorance. It's ignorance. It's ignorance. It's peaceful protesting. It's peaceful protesting. Peaceful protesting. It's the cop's story against the African-American person. The truth is is the only story I'm concerned with. But right now, it's the cop versus the African-American. I didn't re- I didn't think I was born in the 40s or the 50s here. I didn't know that Martin Luther King was marching on a bridge right now, okay? This stuff already happened. It's done. Why is it happening again? It's happening again because racism never went away. It just maybe got a little bit more quiet or a little bit more calculating and when it comes out, but it's here. And it needs to go away. The Jacksonville mayor... Calling players stupid? How dare you? How dare you? That is a poor choice of words. Stupid? Stupid. Like they're dumb. Like, oh, they just walk up there like, oh, hey, Bert, I uh, don't uh, know what I'm going to do. No, that's not. The players aren't stupid. They're making a decision. They're making a decision. They're saying enough is enough. They're saying before it hits my doorstep, or maybe it hit my doorstep, but let's not let this happen. Let's not turn a blind eye. And speaking of turning a blind eye, what in the hell are we doing for Puerto Rico right now? What are we doing for Puerto Rico? Pray for Texas, pray for Florida. What about Puerto Rico? Well, it's just a territory. Who cares? It's just a territory. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Every single human being matters. Every single life matters. Every single thing that is breathing, plant, animal, person, whatever, it matters. Every single breathing life matters.
matters. Every life that is passed on matters. And every life to come matters. I know we're on the prowl talk of Jacksonville Jaguars, and I know I got off topic of football. You know, Blake Bortles had a great week. The team's been inconsistent, but they've been they've been inconsistent. But two of the three games they played pretty good, so they're two and one. But I had to get to the Jacksonville mayor calling the players stupid. And the thing is, just because somebody thought something in the beginning doesn't mean that you have to condemn them for thinking that in the beginning. Like Shad Khan giving money to the campaign to Donald Trump. He gives a million dollars. And they say, well, you know, there's seven, seven owners in the NFL out of 32 gave, so you should go to none of their games and you should boycott all their games because they gave money to Donald Trump and Donald Trump is like, no, that's disrespectful. Okay, that's wrong. That was their person, just like the players can knee or stand, kneel or stand or sit or whatever, or not come out or come out, whatever it is. Okay. Just, just like the players can do that, the owners can do whatever the, he- whatever the hell they want to do with their money, okay? Whatever they want to do with their money, they can do. It is their money. They can do whatever they want to do with it, okay? Do whatever they want to do with it. If they're selling drugs, say something. If they have an underground sex trafficking thing, say something. All he did was say, here's money for a campaign, some people gave money to Donald Trump, and I'm not saying Chad Khan with this. Some people gave money to Donald Trump or voted for Donald Trump because they were terrified of Hillary Clinton, okay? They they said, okay, I can't have Hillary, so I got to vote for the other person I think is going to win this thing. I can't vote for a Green Party or Independent Party because I know they're not going to win, which is sick. If we started voting for more of these third-party people and had a great candidate in the third party, we could be able to bust up this two-party dissension, you know, this two-party, we hate you, no, I hate you more, and make this an actual democracy again, and not just two parties that are fighting for power and they do nothing for the American people. So, Shad Khan made a decision. You can't condemn him for the decision that he made. He made that decision last year. This year, he's standing arm-in-arm with his players, whether they kneel or stand, to show solidarity. To show his players, I love you, I'm here for you, I support you, you can do what you want to do, just do it peacefully, do it kindly, we have to become better as people. We cannot stand idly by and say, well, it wasn't my son who got killed, it wasn't my daughter who was treated this way. You can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say, my daughter wasn't raped, it was your daughter. Well, your daughter's probably a whore. You can't say that. If you believe that, please go and pray to God or go talk to somebody. You can't see life that way. The Dallas Cowboys yesterday knelt before the national anthem and there was outrage and booze. How dare you? How dare you? You are from Texas. That is the biggest supporting state of Donald Trump. How dare you, Jerry Jones? How dare you do that? How dare you, Jerry, and your whole family? How dare you? What did they do? They they knelt in solidarity with their entire team and said, we are one. We are one. They didn't shoot anybody. They didn't beat the hell out of anybody. They didn't punch anybody. They didn't do anything other than say, together we stand or together we kneel. And that's it. Together. Together. It's really hard in today's day and age to be an NFL owner because what do you do? 
if one of your players is kneeling and the all the rest of them are standing. 53-man active roster, one is kneeling, 52 are standing. What do you do, cut that guy? What's he doing wrong? Did he spit on the flag? Did he pull his pants down and pee on the flag? No. So what's the problem? Now Odell Beckham Jr. decided to pee like a dog in the end zone. That was kind of a scumbag move and kind of stupid. And, again, there's always an idiot in the classroom that takes advantage of something that everybody gets, and then you lose it. So the NFL has loosened its its chokehold on whether or not you could celebrate in the end zone, and an idiot like Odell Beckham Jr. is going to pull you all the way back to where you can anymore. But that's another story, and I digress. I'm going to hit these bullet points, and then we're going to take a step aside, okay? Do I love this country? Yes. Do I love my family that fought in the wars? Yes. Do I love my family that didn't fight? Yes. Would I want to fight in a war? No, I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't. I don't want to go kill other people for the sake of freedom. That's weird to me. Okay. It's weird to me. Okay. Well, Dan, if we didn't kill Hitler, then look what it's weird to me to say, I'm going to murder you and your daughter so that my daughter can have a normal life. That is weird to me, okay? I'm going to shoot your head off so that you can't go home and be the patriarch of your family, but then I get to go do it. Whichever one of us shoots the other one first and gets a good shot right between the eyes, that guy that got the shot off, he gets to go home and be a dad. The other guy doesn't. I don't get it, okay? I understand. Dan, they're terrorists. Dan, they're this. Dan, they're evil. I get it. I get it, but I'm not for killing another human being. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm just not. Jesus was the son of God, is the son of God, will always be the son of God. He could have murdered anybody. He could have like snapped his fingers, boom, everybody's dead. Jesus is hanging out. Jesus carried a cross when Jesus could have just been murder, murder, murder. I mean, Jesus could have been, you You don't agree with me? Dead. Just touch you on your neck, boom, and you fall down. Didn't do it. If Jesus didn't do it, how can I? Jesus let people, humans, flesh, kill him. He allowed it to happen because that is what God wanted. When he could have stopped it. He's got more power than I will ever have. Than I will ever have. By billions. And he didn't stop it. I am not for violence. I'm just not. I don't like it. I I support and I appreciate and I thank everybody that serves in the military to protect freedom. It's probably one of the hardest things in the world, if not the hardest thing in the world, to do because you are trying to fight for the freedom of somebody and at the same time, you're murdering somebody to try and create that freedom. You know, and it's, it's just, it's sad. It's really sad. War is sad. If you get excited by war, there's something wrong with you. War is sad. The loss of life is sad. All that stuff is sad. It's very sad. So, to look at the bullet points that I want to hit on today. I love this country for what it's supposed to be. I love the fact that I was born here 
where I can be free, where I could create my own company, where I could do the things I wanted to do. I can create my company. I can say what I want to say. I can do what I want to do. I can make my own schedule. I love that. I love the fact that I can be myself in this country. For the most part. Because I have loved ones who are gay and they don't always feel like they could be themselves. I have loved ones that are black that don't always feel safe. <clears throat> and that hurts me. I have loved ones that are from Mexico that asked me before Trump even won, why does he hate us so much? What did we do to him? Why does he want to shut us out of his country? So... There's things that I love about this country, and there's things that need to get better, okay? When I look up at the flag, I think about my grandfathers. I think about pride. I think about the strength of our nation as a unified nation. I think about the fact that we could be a beacon of hope for everybody. But I also, like I said before, I also stand up and look at that flag with a bunch of people around me in the media that are liars, cheaters, stealers, they're rude, they're disrespectful, they're condescending, they're ignorant, they're naive, they're racist, they're bigots, they're rude. I mean, there's, there's, you see these people. And I'm standing in the press box and I'm going, I would rather stand with five homeless people and look at the flag. Then stand with these people who are like, okay, can this flag thing be over so I can finish writing my story? They're, they're some of the most disrespectful people ever that I've ever met in my life. Rude, disgusting. They have an opinion not because they have an opinion. They have an opinion because they want somebody to listen to them because they're a crying baby that mommy and daddy didn't talk to enough apparently. When I stand for the flag, I demand that we all respect each other. If I decided to kneel, I demand that we all respect each other. It breaks my heart that this country is not what it's supposed to be. It breaks my heart that people in this country don't feel safe. It breaks my heart that the longer this country is alive, the more we're starting to look like the countries we don't like. Well, you know, Russia's just got tyranny and ruthless dictatorship, and they just tell people what to do. Um, hello? <laughs> well, ter terrorists just get to run around willy-nilly and blow themselves up and, you know, just attack wherever they want. Uh, hello? Well, in other countries, if you're gay, you get disrespected and you get shunned. Hi. Yeah? Okay. That happens in America. It happens right here. Women and men are equal. Colors all make up the rainbow. And without the full colors of the rainbow, we can't see light. We're all equal. And the thing is, whoever you love is who you love. Well, Dan, I won't support you if you are gay. I would not support that. If God made you gay, I would not support it. No. Mm -mm. Never. Why? Am I killing anybody? Am I murdering anybody? You don't have to be gay to 
be a part of their mission of equality. You don't have to be a woman to be part of their mission of equality. You don't have to be black to be part of their mission of equality. You don't have to be Muslim and practice your religion peacefully and not hurt anybody and not be able to connect with them and be part of their mission for equality. I don't walk around and say, I'm Catholic, I believe in God, you're all wrong, except for me. I'm not black, so that's cool. I'm not a woman, so don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about equal... I don't walk around like that. I walk around saying, if this woman on the side of the street is working her butt off, damn it. And I say on the side of the street, not like she's working out, out on the street. I'm just saying, if I walk by somebody and that woman is, is working her tail off, then give her what she's due. If this man is gay and he should be CEO of this company, damn it, make him CEO. If this black person is walking down the street eating a piece of pizza and there's a white guy down the street that just stole somebody's purse, why are you going after the man eating some pizza? It's common sense. Just be better. We have to be better. I stand for the flag. I look at the flag. It's not all about the flag. It's about the country. It's about what we're supposed to be. We're say we're, we say we're the land of the free, home of the brave. But we're not always that. Sometimes we're the land of the shackles, home of the do what I tell you. President Trump could tell me what I'm allowed to say and not allowed to say on my show. Guess what, Trump? I'm going to do what I want to do. Hillary Clinton could tell me, you're not allowed to do this, that, and the other thing. Guess what, Hillary Clinton? I'm going to do what I want to do. Because just like you can get up there on your podium and speak your garbage, the both of them, I could speak my truth. I've said it a billion times and I'll say it a billion more times. You want to change this country for the better, get a candidate, back them, give them money, because the thing is at the end, well, it's all about money. Good people don't have money. Good people got money. They don't want to run for office because they don't want to deal with all this bigotry. Go find someone who is true, honest, real. Take them from the ghetto. Take them from a middle-class family. Take them from somebody who's had hardship. Take them from somebody who maybe doesn't have hardship but understands what it's like. Grow together. You want to change this country for the better, I'm going to tell you how to do it. Find a candidate who is real. Real. Somebody who cares. Somebody who's honest, who is forthright, who tells you the truth every single time because they can't sleep at night if they don't. Find reality. Hillary Clinton is a lying, cheating, I don't care what she has to say. Donald Trump may not lie to you, but what he says is garbage. What he says is hateful speak. Hillary Clinton knew what to say because she's a politician. She smiled in front of you. She had fangs behind you. He has fangs in front of you. Not, neither one of them is good. They both have fangs. Hillary Clinton did it in the shadows. He does it right in front of your face. It's both disgusting. They're both disgusting. Call it what it is. It's disgusting. Obama, great speaker. Phenomenal speaker. Obamacare, I can say whatever I want to say about Obamacare because I fought with it for two and a half years, paid over $800 in penalties, got insurance that was really good, got it taken away from me this month and had to pay an increase of almost $300 a month by myself because my wife's insurance can't cover both of us. 
because her company has really good insurance for their employees, but they don't have a full coverage plan. And I own my own business. So I'm literally going into whatever it is, the New York shop market, whatever the frick it's called, stupid. And if this, what do they call it? Like the, the open healthcare market. If this was a market, I would never shop there. If this was a market, all of the avocados would be bad. Okay. If this was a market, there would be cockroaches on the oranges. I don't like this market. Anywho, my insurance went up almost $300 a month starting in on, on my birthday month of October. Thank you so much. Happy mother freaking birthday, you stupid plan. So I could say what I want to say about Obamacare because I'm working my butt off as a human being and I'm penalized for it. Unless I'm filthy stinking rich or I want to sit at home and do nothing with my life, Obamacare does not help me. It does not help me. I just paid almost $300 a month for a... I, <laughs> I paid almost $300 more a month for a plan that has a higher deductible and puts me in a crappier situation and has less coverage and less of a network. I paid a $300 increase to lose things that I had. I paid a three hundred, almost a $300 increase to lose doctors to lose money in my pocket and to lose the better deductible I had. I'm paying more. It makes no sense. So Obama screwed up. Hillary Clinton screwed up over the last 30 years. Trump is screwing up right now. Find somebody that gives a damn about you. Find somebody that cares. It's not that hard. Just find somebody that cares. I don't want to go to somebody's rally and listen to what they're going to do. It's all BS. It's all B. I'm I'm 31 years old. I've been alive for three decades. It's BS. I'm going to repair the railroads. No, you're not. And what's wrong with them right now? Trains aren't derailing all over the place. Why do we need to repair the railroads? I'm going to rebuild the infrastructure. What the F does infrastructure mean? Okay, I looked up the definition. I'm still trying to figure out what is infrastructure. You're going to build a building? I, what are you going to do? Okay, I would go to people and say, I would go to the ghetto and say, what's happened? How many generations has your family been in this ghetto? Why are you in this ghetto? What has the government said to you? Well, they put me on welfare. And what did they say? They said, keep having babies. We could stay here. Dan. I talked to somebody who got a letter from the government. That said, here is the check we give you now. If you have another child, we will inc increase your check. Stay in poverty. Stay low. Don't go to work. We'll keep giving you money. Be a deadbeat. That's all you got to do. We're going to help you out. What is, how is that part of society? There's a single parent who needed money with her child. Father, gone. Doesn't care about her or the baby. She files for welfare. Please give me some help, government. You know what the government tells her? You make just a little bit too much money. Just a little bit too much money. Tell that woman what she can't afford to feed her child and her at the same time. Ask how many players around this country, even players that are on Syracuse's football team, that I have interviewed and spoken with over the past three to five years, ask them if every single one of their parents could put food on the table. I talked to a guy recently who told me that his mother didn't eat so he could. And he's on Syracuse's football team. My mother didn't eat. Took out of her own pocket and her own stomach for me. The system isn't working. 
The system isn't working. All we need is somebody who cares. And why is the President of the United States sticking his nose into sports? Well, because sports is kneeling and it's disrespect. What's disrespectful is that someone who is of dark skin cannot walk home and feel safe when there's a cop around. It's not like a drug dealer's following him home. It's a cop. I was harassed by a police officer, as I told you before on the show, in the state of New Jersey. I'm olive complexion. I'm Hispanic and Italian. I always joke around and say that I'm tinted, but it's kind of true because I'm never completely white and I'm not black. I'm tinted. I'm in the middle. And at the time, I was dating a girl who was Puerto Rican. It was very dark. I got pulled over by a cop for a nothing situation, and the cop threatened to take us both to jail. I went through a stop sign that was over a hill that I couldn't see. Cop threatened to take us both to jail and threatened me that somebody was on the other, that, that there was a bus driver who was on the street next to us with a bat in his hand ready to beat the hell out of me. And I should be happy the cop is there because if the cop wasn't there, he was going to, the guy that, he's like, I'm the only thing between you and this guy that wants to beat the hell out of you. And I've seen him do it in the past. So a cop's threatening me, you should be happy I'm here because somebody's ready to beat your tail off. And he's done it in the past. So my first question in my head was, well, so you've let him beat the hell out of people with a baseball bat? That makes sense. That sounds healthy. You can't think, I can't think of any situation outside of a zombie or a rabid thing that you would take a bat and just beat the hell out of something and somebody would be like, that's okay. You know what? That's, that's understandable. I just, I can't, it's sick, it really honestly does. It sickens me. Because nobody should say, well, I'm white, so I feel privileged. I don't have to deal with that problem. It should sicken you. It should make you feel very unsettled. Cops are here to stop drugs, stop people from taking drugs, stop people from selling drugs, stop people from murdering, stop people from looting and stealing and raping. That is what a cop is supposed to be here for, to stop people from not being human. When a cop isn't human, what are we supposed to do? Hope to Jesus we got a good one today? Well, I just got pulled over on the side of the road. I hope this guy doesn't beat the hell out of me. I mean, that's that should not be a thought in somebody's mind. We have to do better. We have to do better. And the thing is, I'm not trying to make my show political, and I don't think I am. I'm making this show humanity-based, needs-based. There's nobody listening to the show right now that can tell me if you have any type of knowledge, any type of care for human beings. You cannot tell me if you're listening to the show right now. You cannot tell me 100% that you don't worry about this country. You can't tell me that. You cannot tell me 100% of you does not have a fear in the world or a concern in the world about this country. Nobody can say that. I've said it a million times and I'll say it a million times over. If you want to make this country a better place, find a person who cares. Find a person who loves Find a person who doesn't just say they're not right. Hillary Clinton, what's the one thing you have in your purse? Tabasco sauce. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're trying to get a vote. Nobody believes you have Tabasco sauce, Hillary. Would you put it on your tuna sandwich? You don't have Tabasco sauce in your purse. Most of us don't. I'm Hispanic and I don't have Tabasco sauce in my pocket. Some people do. Stereotypically, I do not. 
Look for reality. Look for reality. Somebody who cares, somebody who listens, somebody who wants to be better. Somebody who says, I'm not black, but that doesn't matter. I care about you. I'm not Hispanic, that doesn't matter. I care about you. I'm not a woman, that doesn't matter. I care about you. I'm not gay, that doesn't matter. I care about you. I don't want people to tell me, I love the gay community. Show me. Show me in your words and your actions. I'm not saying come out here and dance for me. I'm saying just do it in life. When a bill comes to the table that says, should we allow gay people to be married? Don't refute the bill. Let them get married. What is the difference? What is the difference? You don't ban everybody from coming into this country because there's terrorists in the world. That's what the terrorists want to do. They want you to shut the border up. They already got people in here. They got sleeper cells all over the place, allegedly. Freaking scary. We got to do a better job at knocking those things down. Focus. How did 17 people get together on 9-11 in groups of two and three to get on planes and nobody thought there was a problem? It's this, it's, it's our lack of intelligence. Yeah, terrorism is bad and terrorism is the root of the problem, but how stupid can you be to just think, oh, these people are just getting together to go to Disney World and have a good time? No. Obama's speech after Pulse nightclub was deplorable. Most of the stuff that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth is deplorable. Hillary Clinton says a lot of nice things and then acts deplorable. So we're not gaining anything as a country. We're just going through four years of crap to four years of crap to four years of mega crap to four years of less crap to four years of more crap. That's all we're going through. I told you this show is where sports meets life. I dedicated to you as a broadcaster that I will cover the world of sports and I will link it to our lives. And when life screams at me to listen... I will not go, hey, let's talk about football, touchdowns, and this and that, and completely ignore the fact that Puerto Rico needs our help. Completely ignore ignore the fact that the black community needs our help. Completely ignore the fact that good cops who wear the badge because they want to protect and serve need our help. <sighs> the president has no right to do and say the things that he's doing. He has no right. Being the president of the United States does not give you the right to say and do whatever you please. You are not God. I think Donald Trump is confusing the seat in the White House with the seat in heaven. That golden throne is already warm from the behind of somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. If you want to change the world for a better place... Focus on the people that are trying to do that. Give them money. Give them support. Give them a voice. Give them a place to speak and help them to grow. If we do not attack the things that are most important in life, our health, our well-being, our sanity, our love, our equality, if we don't tackle these things, which nobody is doing right now in Washington, D.C. I shouldn't say nobody is doing, but... Majority, I'm not feeling it. I, I want to believe there's good people in D.C. There's good people everywhere. 
So to the good people, to the senators and, and, and the and the you know House of Representatives people and to the people you know in the judicial branch and, and to the people working for the president that are trying to do good things, I applaud you. I'm not going to say everybody in Washington, D.C. is bad because that's ignorant and stupid and that's that's saying something that Donald Trump would say, frankly. We just need to see more of you, okay? You need to be louder. Land of the free, home of the brave. Land of the free, home of the brave. Not land of the taxes, home of the shut your mouth. That's not what we are. That's not what we are. We the people are a lot bigger than Congress and the president and the judiciary branch. We're bigger than all that. We the people make up the majority of this country. Those that are speaking on behalf of us, we outnumber them by the tens of thousands. If you don't like the way things are going, peacefully stand up. It's not about being a Democrat and it's not about being a Republican because let's face it, on both sides of the of the curtain, there's some ugly. It's about being a human being. It's about what America is supposed to be. And when I say I'm an American, that's supposed to create pride in me and it always has. It kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit right now when I think about the definition of an American because some people define America as this ugly, racist, bigoted, sexist, deplorable thing. Some people describe America to be American in today's day and age. It doesn't sound like like it should. It doesn't sound like it used to. It makes me sick what some people think America is supposed to be. I think of America as the blanket for the child who is freezing outside. I think of America as the umbrella when you're standing in rain. I think of America as the one that picks you up when your feet literally cannot take another step. I think of America as a place where your childhood spirit never dies and you always remember what's important just like when you were a little kid. You always remember what's happy, what's good, what's just. Where we where we have come to as a country does not have to define where we are going. And I refuse to leave America the way it is because I want the generations behind me, my children potentially someday, I want them to be able to say, Daddy, I'm so proud to be an American. And at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died and women who died who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and remember still today, there ain't no doubt about this land. God bless the USA. That song made me cry as a kid. That song made me stop in front of the TV. When I hear it, stop in front of the TV, salute, cry, feel that. This is not my America anymore. And I'm going to fight like hell 
to take the dirt and the rust and the grime and the soot off of her beautiful face so that I can look at her again and hear that song and cry. Happy tears. To all of you that... Could talk about this all forever. To all of you that said what you were saying here, Dan for president, I'd vote for him. We're listening to the person you're describing, Dan. This is true. The campaign should be called Wake Up Call. To, to, to. I mean, to those notions. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you all. I. I've always like joked about it with my dad and stuff, but my wife is like, oh my gosh, it would be so stressful. You wouldn't want the job. But I go, you know, I go where God takes me. I go where God takes me. And that's the truth. And if he ever wanted me to run for president, I would do it. Because at least I know I care. At least I know that I would listen. You can't solve everything. Can't solve everything. But damn it, I would try. It seems so simple. That you shouldn't take money from the hardworking people and give it to people who don't want to work. It seems simple that health care should be based on your household and what you make. Respectfully. You know, in the state of New York, my wife's income and my income go together and for my health care. So they act like I make all the money. And then they give me health care based on that. Not on the actual money that I make. That makes no sense. How does that make any sense? Dan, you make X amount. No, actually, I make Y. Well, your wife makes this. Well, that's her money. That's her hard-earned money. That's not mine. Well, we're going to add that into this so we can boost up your health insurance and screw you over. Thank you. Appreciate it. On my health care, I as a man... My health care covers me if I, as a man, want to have an abortion. It covers me if I want to get birth control. It makes no sense. It literally says on the bottom of my plan, you can get chiropractic care. Shout out Dr. Tim Whiting. Love that. I can have an abortion as a man, and I can get birth control as a man. Because it's built into my plan to provide abortion coverage and birth control to women who want it. So I'm paying for a woman somewhere in America to have an abortion. I'm paying for women all over America to get birth control. I'm paying for it per month. It's like having it's like paying for a daughter you don't have. It's like my daughter coming to me and saying, Dad, I want to get birth control and me going, Okay, honey, here's some money for it. Well I'm paying for somebody's child in Wyoming to have birth control. These things make sense, but we don't do anything about it. We just talk. We just talk. We talk about North Korea. Freaking, you know, yeah, something needs to be done about North Korea, but damn it, the United Nations has a role to play. Do they not? Their preamble is about protecting the entire world. 
their preamble and the four things they're supposed to stand for, they haven't stood for in a long time. Stand up for it. It's not America's job to fix Kim Jong-un. It's the world's job. There's 193 member states, a.k.a. countries. Do something about it. You don't like what he's doing? You don't like how he's acting? Then find a way to cripple him into letting people out of the concentration camps that they're allegedly in and feeding his people. There should not be anybody running any country anywhere in the world or any world anywhere in any galaxy that is not feeding their people. It is a basic human right to have something to eat, something to drink, somewhere to sleep, and clothes on your back. So if he's a problem, he's not America's problem. He's the world's problem. Take care of it. Take care of it. The fact that a ruthless dictator like Hitler or whomever can just willy-nilly rise to power and sit in that seat and everybody's afraid to do anything about it, that's why he's sitting there. He is a screaming, angry child. Do something about it. Nobody needs to bomb anybody. Just do something about it. Because United Nations, if you do nothing about it, there's no point in having you. The world's court means nothing if you never try the people that are the criminals. There's no point in having a world court if you don't try the most heinous criminals. There is no point. England knows what it's like to get attacked. Spain knows what it's like. France knows what it's like. We know what it's like. People all over the world know what it's like. This isn't an America problem. It's a world problem. Take care of it. Peacefully and diplomatically. Be better than the villain. Okay? The Joker desperately wants Batman to kill him. Because even if the Joker dies, Batman has to live with the rest of his life becoming the Joker. That's what the Joker uses against Batman. You don't want to become me. And if you do become me, you got to live with it for the rest of your life. Don't become the villain. But do something about the villain. Do something about the villain. That's it. Donald Trump's out here screaming this, that, and the other thing about Kim Jong-un, but do any of us think he's not a problem? Does anybody actually sit back and think he's a great guy that you'd love to have dinner with someday? Look for the facts, because we get told what he is, and we don't know everything for sure. So look for the facts, get the facts. Once you have the facts, do something about it. If he's a problem, take care of the problem. If the United Nations is mommy and daddy of the entire world, well, then mommy and daddy need to punish one of their children. So figure it out. Don't just sit there and drop bags of rice to people that you're hoping get them and the insurgents take them and eat them and the people still die. Do something else. Almost 200 countries, what do we have to show for it? Nothing. People do what they want to do. Terrorists do what they want to do. People rise to power in countries and they screw their people over and they're mean to their people and they're heartless to their people and there's genocide with the people and what do we do about it? Nothing. Unless America jumps in on it and fights its own battle that people don't support, What's there to do? America is not the watchdog of the world. The United Nations is. So buck up and do something about it. If there's a problem, handle the problem. There's a problem with health care. We need to handle it. Okay? It takes a long time to find a good doctor. I don't think my doctor's in my plan as of October 1st. And it took me years to find her. Thanks, Obamacare, for absolutely nothing. Well, more people are, and that's what Bernie Sanders says. More people have 
More people have in health insurance now than ever before. Not because they want to or the one that they want. It's because they have to have it because you penalize us if we don't have it. I paid over $800 in penalties in two years because I could not find a good plan that was affordable for me. So by not being able to find something I can afford, you took money out of my pocket. That makes a lot of sense. You idiot. I'm not saying he's stupid about everything, but holy mother, if insurance was affordable, we would all damn have it. There's nobody on this planet that's like, no, I don't want insurance. Now, if I have cancer, I'll figure it out. If I break my leg, I'll just snap it back into place. Nobody's saying that. We can't afford it. Obamacare, we can't afford it. Before Obamacare, we can't afford it. It's not good for us. Unless you are a deadbeat sitting at home doing nothing or you're rich, you are screwed. We are better than that. We are better than that. Why did people die to start this country if we're going to spit on it? Why did our forefathers work so damn hard and foremothers too? Let's give them some credit. Why did they work so hard for nothing? Why is George Washington rolling in his grave? Why did Abraham Lincoln try to unify the country just so you could break it up again? The president of the United States needs to have common sense and they'll be good. Oh my God. If they have common, normal, human, basic sense, they'll be a good president and they'll probably achieve something. If I was president of the United States, you know what I would do every week? Go to a different school and read a book to a child. If I was president of the United States, I would go to Chicago. Where is Obama from? Is it Hawaii or Chicago? I really don't care. But how many times did he go to Chicago? That's what I care about. I would be in Chicago. What's the problem? Why are we fighting? Why are y'all killing each other? What can I do to make it better? You're killing each other because you're upset. Why are you upset? I'm listening. I'm listening. Do you know that if you listen to somebody, it could change so much? I talk for a living, but ironically, I listen too. There's a lot of people that talk, and that's it. Talk, 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 talk. That's it. I listen. There's t- I could do a better job, but I listen. I hear what my wife says. I hear what my mom says. I listen. I hear what you guys say. I listen. I love talking with you, but I listen. And I'm working on doing a better job at listening even deeper, more with an intent to help and do whatever I can. This country has basic human problems. And how do we solve them? By going on television and screaming at each other and saying, you snorted coke when you were 14. Well, you're a whore. Well, you're not fit for the job. Well, you're an idiot. Well, I don't like your hair. Well, I don't like your face. I didn't know that the President of the United States was decided in kindergarten during recess. I expect better. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I think that's a record for me. I spoke the first hour and 40 minutes straight. We're going to take a step aside here. It's because I care. 
And we're going to come back with wall-to-wall NFL coverage right after this. And, of course, with that NFL coverage, we're going to be talking about that Detroit game. And I know Johnny B, he's going to be chiming in. We're going to talk about it. That was a close call. Very, very, very close call. I have a, I have two ways of looking at it that I think would state the case for either side, but we'll discuss it after the break. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. Manja, wake up call listeners. No, seriously, eat up at Manja Italian Grill. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday at 2 Oswego Street in Baldensville, right on the Seneca River. Every Thursday is game show night from 7 to 9 p.m. hosted by Dan Tortora with live music every weekend. Join us every Sunday for brunch at 10 a.m. And don't forget to try our famous Lobster Bloody Mary. Call us at 315-638-8500. For reservations, parties, and catering, or visit us at manjabeville.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. 
but you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Green's Ale House and Grill, located on 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York, is your home for all the games, all the time, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what the sport is. It's also your home of Wingmaster Jabber, who's constantly in the kitchen creating wings that have won awards, and you love to eat every single day of the week. At Green's, you'll also find the Wake Up Call with Dan Satora live on location coaches show, exclusively dedicated to the Oswego State Lakers' numerous sports programs. There's only one place to go in Oswego, and that is Greensdale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York. We'll see you there. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you be a part of the show today and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., Eastern Time. You can find the show right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Right here, you become a member on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll be emailed when the show goes live. You can chat with me in the live chat room and be a part of the show more so than anybody else. If you are a free member, it takes a couple seconds. It's extremely easy and you'd be crazy not to do it. So make sure that you join today and thank you to all of you that have. It truly means a lot to me that you are a part of the broadcast and I appreciate it so very much. We're going to do Ingredients to Success a little bit earlier today because we're going to get to -to wall-to-wall NFL coverage. So I'm very excited to have the opportunity to bring this to you and and to have this wall-to-wall NFL coverage for week three, taking a look back on week three and what happened in week three. But before we go there, we're going to go here. Ingredients to Success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company. Utica Pizza Company is located on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. It is minutes from the airport. It's right by Maddie Dale, Liverpool, North Syracuse, Syracuse in and of itself. It's not too far away from downtown Syracuse. Very, very well located to wherever you are from, and it is worth the drive. So make sure you come out to Utica Pizza Company, 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, in the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners. Would love to see you out there and love to have you there for a bite to eat. The number one wake-up call pick at Utica Pizza Company are two things that I love about Utica Pizza together as one. Making a baby, essentially, from two things I love the most. Chicken Riggies and pizza. So Chicken Riggies on top of the Utica-style pizza that I love that they make. Try the Wake Up Call number 1 pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza. Available by the Slice or the Pie at Utica Pizza Company. Wake Up Call number 1 pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza. Utica Pizza Company, 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. In the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners. You can call them for takeout, 
delivery, and just to get more information at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. If you'd like Utica Pizza Company to come to you and you want to design your own menu from Utica Pizza Company and have them at your event, go to itsauticathing.com. It's a Utica thing, I-T-S, no apostrophe on that. It's a Utica thing.com and check them out there and get some more information. And of course, head over to 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York this week and every week to show love for great business owners with great business sense, with great recipes that truly treat you like family over at, over at Utica Pizza Company on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. With that being said, the ingredients to success in this episode, well, we just discussed it. You know, no matter what side of the line you stand on when it comes to politics, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever it may be, the ingredients to success for this country, they sound basic, but we don't have them in their entirety. And that is equality, equal treatment, Justice, appreciation, respect, unity, open-mindedness, wisdom, knowledge, truth. What is the American way? It's what we make it. So the ingredients to success are that you may be happy, your your neighbor may not be. What can we do to make you both happy? What can we, and when we, within reason, not somebody being like, well, I want a unicorn and I want this, I want that. What can we do to make everybody feel safe, feel appreciated, feel protected? You know, the increase in minimum wage is great for an employee, but for the employer, it's very hard. So what can we do to give money to all without taking from somebody else? What can we do to generate business, generate money without having to Steal it away from somebody. What can we do to make health care affordable? What can we do to make the question be, honey, do you want to have a baby or not? As opposed to, honey, I want to have a baby, but we can't afford it. We have to change the questions we ask. And in order to change the questions we ask, we have to change the way this country functions. You should never ask the question, Should we have a baby? Because we can't afford it. Should we have a baby? Because I don't like the way the world is right now. Should we have a baby? Because I'm scared for our child. Those should never be comments that come out of anybody's mouth. It should be, should we have a baby? Because I love you. Should we have a baby? Because I'm ready for the next step. Those are the things we should be saying. The ingredients to success of this country of any country are not just saying that we're equal or that we should be, but displaying it in every walk of our life. It's very simple. You want to be successful in this country? You want to be successful as a businessman like Phil Russo and Charlie DeGristina? Then treat people well, work your tail off, be who you are and never be afraid to be that person and open your door to everybody. A restaurant can't function if they open their door to some people and not others. So how does our country think that they can do the same? The ingredients to success are to drop all the weapons, drop all the shields, drop all the fears, drop all the bigotry, drop 
all of the prejudice and just look at the people standing in front of you, give them a hug and say, why are you upset? Why are you sad? How can we make it better? And they should say the same to you. The ingredients to success of this country are not hard. They're very basic. We've gotten so consumed in wanting to have power and money that we forgot what this is all about. You can't take the power to heaven with you. There's enough power up there and it belongs to one, in my opinion. You can't take the money with you because God's way too smart to let let that happen. The only thing you can take with you to heaven is how you treated people. How you lived your life. And the ingredients to a successful life sound simple, yet as a group, some of us do and some of us don't. And we falter. You have your you have your beliefs, I have my beliefs. You believe in I believe in God, maybe you don't. You may vote for this, I may vote for that. You may want this to happen before this happens. I may want this to happen before that happens. But at the end of the day, and at the beginning of the day, I don't like saying at the end of the day because it should be the whole day. The whole day, 24 hours should be the same. If you want to make the world a better place. In the middle of a fight, stop yelling. And show compassion. Some people might run away from it. Some people might run toward it. But the way that we change this world for the better is by taking the time to stop, reflect, not be part of the problem anymore. And to just do the best. It shouldn't be about getting people to believe what you believe. It shouldn't be about screaming until somebody does what you want them to do. That's a dictatorship. And we know what that feels like, unfortunately, at times. If you want to make the world a better place, then just do it. It's not about eradicating somebody of a different color or a different descent or a different background or a different religion or this, that, and the other thing. If you want to make the world a better place, do what my grandmother always said were the ingredients to success. Keep your nose clean, be a good person, and don't ever hate anything because hate is too strong of a word. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. When I come back, we will jump into wall-to-wall coverage of the NFL. That's right, folks. We are going past 11 a.m. this morning. Why? Because I said so. So we're going to do it. We're having fun with it. I love it. I love talking with you. So why the heck would I not take more time with you today? So that's what we're going to do. We are going to go past 11 a.m. And I want to thank It's a Utica Thing and Utica Pizza Company for the ingredients to success. Truly, truly, I can't say enough about uh, working hand-in-hand with Phil Russo at Utica Pizza Company at 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, literally making stuff in the kitchen with him. And you can see our video series on YouTube anytime you want. YouTube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. It's called Two Guidos in a Kitchen. 
You can see us anytime you want to. And you can also see it on facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt. So we've literally worked hand in hand, and he is an absolute pleasure and an honor to work with. I appreciate the heck out of him. And going to his establishment is not just going somewhere where you like the food or try something new. Going to see Phil is really honestly like going to grandma's house for some good cooking. And I love that about him. And now with all my grandparents in heaven, I'm happy that I can go there. Really appreciate it. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands with fan hands. The ultimate sports fan accessory. Find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on fanhands.com where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear fan hands. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding 
wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast, as always, every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Always bringing you signature segments as well as interviews that change every single week, guests that you love to have back on the show, and so much more right here where sports truly meets life. Every single week and every single day on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Broadcasting live Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And sometimes beyond that, like today, where I will be going past 11 a.m. Because we talked about a lot of things that were important in the first couple hours of the show that needed to be addressed first and foremost. And that has brought us to the opportunity now where we can speak to... What's happened in week three of the NFL? So much has gone on week three in the NFL, and we're going to go down the line and discuss everything that's been happening in the NFL, and I'm very, very, very excited to be able to share this opportunity with you. In the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dancatora Special, Belgian waffle cut in half filled with bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. And I am more than happy to present that to you exclusively at the Market Diner, 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in to the show and very, very excited to share this opportunity with you today and speaking on the NFL inside of today's broadcast. So with that being said, Let's jump into this week in the NFL. That is week 13 in the NFL. I know that Johnny B is going to have a conniption here. If we don't get to it soon, we will. Johnny's got a lot of things to say, and I'm going to get to his comments in a moment. First of all, I'm going to go to the Los Angeles games at San Francisco. We're going to go in order. Thursday night football, you heard me talk about this a little bit, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. All I'm going to say is, holy Jeff Fisher, wow. So, I mean, Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff is not ready to play. I'm going to sit him out. He's going to sit a season. He's going to be like a red shirt like we have in college. And boy, was that a bad idea. Jared Goff is opening the game up. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, everybody getting into the end zone, making things interesting. Todd Gurley looks like Todd Gurley again. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Jeff Fisher, wow. Just a lot of wow. (laughs) So... I mean, you, you have to look at this, and this is not like a Jeff Fisher witch hunt. I'm not trying to do that in any way, shape, or form. I'm not trying to say that about Jeff Fisher. I'm not trying to say he's terrible. All, all I am trying to say is you take a coach and you give him a bunch of players, and then that coach is gone, and then a new coach has the same players pretty much. And look at what Sean McVay has done. Sean McVay, shout out to Sean McVay. He was born on January 24th, 1986. I'm older than the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. What up? October 21st, 1985. He's January 24th, 1986. I am older than the head coach of the Rams. Claim to fame, Sean McVay. Getting it done. 
Todd Gurley looking like Todd Gurley again. This team having life again. The Los Angeles Rams, look at their look at their season so far. They get beat by a touchdown to the Redskins, but they score 40 points or more in two out of three games, win them both. 41 points against the Niners on the road, 46 points against the Colts, 46-9 to nine against the Colts. Who granted had Scott Tolzien, but still. Almost, you know, over 40 points, almost 50 points in one of their games where the Los Angeles Rams last year couldn't do a lick of anything on offense. Let's go back to the Rams of last year. Todd Gurley did not have one 100-yard rushing game all of last season. And if you're wondering if the team scored 40 points in a game last season, that answer was no. They allowed 49 points, 42 points, 44 points in three different games. They lost their last seven games of the season. And they only won four games last year with Jeff Fisher being in there as your head coach last season. Just looking at what this team did, I mean, it was it was absolute insanity. They finally put Jared Goff in, in in week 11, and every game was lost, but he didn't get to start with the team, and you're trying to get comfortable with the team. So, you know, Case Keenum had three of the victories. That actually doesn't end up looking like a, fu- a fluke because Case Keenum did a hell of a job for Minnesota in the absence of Sam Bradford this week that we'll get to. But Case Keenum, as the quarterback of the team last year, defeated Seattle in L.A., then went to Tampa Bay, beat Tampa Bay, went to Arizona, beat Arizona. So some big wins there for the team, but also won 9-6 over the Jets in a terrible game, but it still was a victory. I mean, last year this team... Like I said, they did not get to 40 points in any other 16 games. They allowed 40 points three times. Todd Gurley looked like a shell of himself. It was just gross. And then you look at the team now, and it's like, okay, well, Jared Goff's still there, right? Okay. And Todd Gurley's still there. So, And you have guys on your defense that are still there. So what's the deal? The deal is Sean McVay doing a damn good job as – as my, what would I say? I am his elder. And Sean McVay is is doing pretty darn well against his elder, Jeff Fisher, who, you know, had plenty. Of, Jeff Fisher could be the father of Sean McVay. And Sean McVay doing a heck of a job. So it just goes to show, it doesn't matter how many years you spend in the NFL. It doesn't matter how many years you spend coaching. It just matters about what you do within those years and the quality. And Jeff Fisher, listen, he was a good coach way back when, bringing his team to the Super Bowl. But With the Rams, it just wasn't working out, and shout out to the Rams for the work that they've done. Baltimore versus Jacksonville. I spoke about this at length, so I don't have to say too much about this at all, except for the fact that Blake Bortles, for those of you that didn't give up on him in fantasy football, and threw him on as your your second quarterback in a really deep, deep league, or as your third option at quarterback, congratulations to you because you just reap the benefits of having him on your team this this past week and hopefully you played him and gave him an opportunity because he got you some darn good yards alan hearns i said it i heard it and i can't take credit for it because another another person in the media had said that uh, you know alan hearns just think about how he plays when he is overseas with the jacksonville jaguars when he's in london and you know i was like okay well I went off of that. I was like, if, if London, because there's weird things like that that happen in the NFL. Weird things like a player might be quiet for weeks, and then when they go play in London, all of a sudden, they're good. 
So if the notion is he plays up for London, I was like, all right, then put him out there. And he got you a touchdown. So hopefully you listen to the show and listen to the advice on what I had to say about this Jacksonville team. And how about that defense? I'm just going to say it again really quick. How about that defense of the Jacksonville Jaguars in these first few weeks? They are looking purdy but not consistent. They got if they're if listen, if game 1 and game 3 are any inclination of where the team is heading, watch out because this Jaguars team is going to be a pain in the it is going to be a pain in the coolie to go up against from week to week. With that being said, next game up Denver at Buffalo. This week three was the week where I was like, weird things are going to happen. I just know it. I feel like, you know, I want to go to week three of last year. Just to prove my point here, I want to go to week three of last year. So Buffalo beat Arizona week three of last year. Somewhat surprising. And then I want to go to some of these other games that were here. Baltimore played Jacksonville last year and beat them. At Jacksonville, beat them by two. So that was an interesting one. But that's not one of the surprises. Week three of last year, Buffalo beating Arizona was a surprise to me in this game. Philadelphia 34-3 over Pitt was a surprise to me. you know. And then Atlanta, before you kind of know who Atlanta was against New Orleans, scoring 45. That could have been a surprise to some people. Or, you know, just one of those games. Not so much as a surprise, but just a little bit strange. But it seems like early on in the season, weird games happen, right? Once you hit that third week mark, like last week or last season, week four in 2016-17, Chicago beat Detroit 17-14. to Buffalo beat New England in New England 16 to nothing. It's games like that that make you kind of stop. The Rams beat Arizona in Arizona 17-13, to which I just mentioned recently here. Those are the games that throw you off. So it's like, you know, that first couple weeks of the season, things can get weird and get dicey. And I did. I You know, I got to trust my gut. I went into this week going, you know, I, I literally, on Sunday, I just like, I'm with my wife and we're walking around and we went somewhere to watch the game and I was just like talking to her and I was like, you know, I think this is going to be a weird week. I really did. I was like, I think this is just going to be a weird week of football. And week three was definitely that. One of the games, Buffalo beating Denver. Now, granted, Buffalo was at home. But do you want to know something completely strange about this game? Buffalo beat Denver 26-16, to but the passing leader of both teams, among both teams, was Trevor Simeon of Denver. The rushing leader among both teams was Jamal Charles of Denver. The receiving leader of both teams was Demarius Thomas of Denver. So Buffalo wins the game, but the passing leader, the rushing leader, and the receiving leader were all from Denver. I told you it was going to get weird this week. I told you that. Tyrod Taylor, two touchdowns, no picks. 20 and 26, 213 yards. That was some good stuff. LaShawn McCoy, he's just looking looking ugly, but, you know, he played up against Denver's defense. So, not the greatest showing by him. Zay Jones not out there. Jordan Matthews leading the team again, but not doing too much. The only one worth having in the receiving core is Charles Clay, the tight end. He scored a touchdown in two out of their first three games of the season. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both did pretty well. You know, Benny Fowler, the third, he's showing up to be the third option for Trevor Simeon in the receiving core. He had four catches for 55 yards, not too shabby. Jamal Charles outdid C.J. Anderson. That was kind of weird. 
So, you know, some just, just weird stuff. How does Denver have the leading passer, the leading rusher, and the leading receiver, and they lose the game by 10 points? And they have the better defense, and they lose the game by 10 points. How insane is that? Absolutely insane. Steven Hauschka, the former kicker of Seattle, putting work in for Buffalo in this game. He had four field goals in the game. Four field goals in the game. That's how they won. That's how they won. Charles Clay had a touchdown, right? Andre Andre Holmes, pardon me, had a touchdown. So that's 14 points. Okay? It's 14 points. Where did the rest of the points come from? Stephen Hauschka field goal, Stephen Hauschka field goal, Stephen Hauschka field goal, and Stephen Hauschka field goal. 26. That's how Buffalo beat Denver. They out field goal kicked them. Insane. Insane. It's week three. You got to trust your vibes. My gut told me week three was going to get weird, and boy, did it ever. You have that notion that a team will play better at home, but Buffalo hasn't looked that good lately, and Denver's looked wonderful for the most part. They look really good. So that was a shocking game. The next game was even more shocking. Number one, because it went to overtime. Number two, because the team that won in overtime is not the team you expected. Nobody expected this game to go to overtime, let alone... The team to win that won. Chicago at home against Pittsburgh. Sweet mother. Jordan Howard woke the heck up in this week. Where's he been in the last two weeks? No, really nowhere. Jordan Howard in this game gets a touchdown in the first quarter and gets a touchdown in overtime. And that's it. Le'Veon Bell scores. Adam Shaheen. Raise your hand if you know who Adam Shaheen is. There's... Probably not many hands raised out there. I love doing that, though. I love it. Because you know you did. When I said raise your hand if you know Adam Shaheen, if you kind of knew Adam Shaheen, you were putting that hand up, and then you're like, oh, man, damn it. Dan got me again. So, <laughs> But Adam Shaheen, one, one catch, two yards, and a touchdown. And for those of you that don't know who Adam Shaheen is, he is a tight end who is a rookie out of Ashland College. Raise your hand if you know where Ashland College is. And he's from Galena, Ohio. He was born on October 24th, three days after May. What up? But he was born in 1994. Tariq Cohen didn't do too bad. Had 78 yards rushing and 24 yards receiving, which put him over 100 all-purpose yards. Jordan Howard was the leading receiver and the leading rusher. This is the weird thing. Tariq Cohen in week one as a running back on the team and a rookie was a leading rusher and leading receiver over Jordan Howard and any of their receivers. This week in week three, Jordan Howard was the leading rusher and receiver, and right behind him was Tariq Cohen. So basically, if you don't have Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen, you really have nobody to play on Chicago. If It's it's literally Howard and Cohen. It's the Howard and Cohen show, and that's it. The question mark is, how long will Mike Glennon be the quarterback of the team when he's throwing one touchdown, one interception, and for 100 yards in a game? That's the question. Ben Roethlisberger was quiet in this game, only one touchdown. Le'Veon Bell hasn't been getting the yardage, but he got a touchdown in the game. Antonio Brown has gotten the yardage in games, not necessarily his scoring. This time he did both. He got a touchdown and 110 yards on 10 catches, 14 targets. The one behind him is Juju Smith-Schuster, one of my favorite names in the NFL. Rookie out of USC, second round draft pick, draft, second round draft pick 62 overall. Juju Smith-Schuster of USC, the second 
on the team to Antonio Brown. Here's the discrepancy, though. Antonio Brown, 110 yards. Juju Smith-Schuster, 39. Insane, right? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, very, very surprising that Chicago, pardon me, wins this game over Pittsburgh. The next game to talk about, uh uh-oh, Johnny B. Atlanta at Detroit. I figured this game was going to be a shootout because the offensive talent in the first couple weeks has been a fantasy dream for so many people. Whether you have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, Austin Hooper, who else can I name? Matt Stafford, Amir Abdullah at times, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay. All these guys have been getting you points. So let's go, before I go anywhere, let's let's see what Johnny B had to say about about this game. Because Johnny B's got, there's some paragraphs I got to read through here. So let's see what we have going on. He said, we had the pass interference against the Cowboys in the playoffs. We had the hand batting hand batting out of the back of the end zone against Seattle Seahawks. We had the Calvin Johnson rule. Now we have the Golden Tate 10 second runoff at the end of the game. And so basically he's saying, I don't want the Detroit Lions to be the experiment team for new NFL rules. And he's got a point there. He went on to say, I get that they're rules, but I agree with what I heard last night. Caldwell needs to stand up there on the podium and take a stand and say we're not to be pushed around anymore. Just say it how it is and then move on. And he said, and I'm sorry, to me, there wasn't enough evidence to overturn the call that was made on the field. Originally, you have you have to have undisputable evidence to overturn if that, to me, was not it. But I'll tell you one thing is that if that was the Patriots or the Packers or any other team like that, it's not getting overturned. I guarantee that. Rant over. I can't deal. So. Johnny B is talking about a play that I put up on my Facebook and my Twitter. And so if you don't know, look it, look it up. Go to Twitter at CallDT or on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT and watch the video. Golden Tate catches it. Now, in real time, it's a touchdown. In real time, he literally reached out, grabbed the ball, fell in the end zone. It's a touchdown. Real time, boom, touchdown. If that's Thanksgiving Day, everybody's freaking going bonkers. Touchdown, yay, and we move on, right? I want to look at it again. I'll look at it again while I'm on the air with you because I know it's a, it's emotional and it's not just Johnny B right this a lot of people are emotional about this thing so let's let's take a look at it here I gotta find where I placed it here we go so oh wow <laughs> wow hey Johnny B you'll appreciate this one I just went to play the video on YouTube and it said this video contains content from the NFL who has blocked it from display on this website or application because somebody else had put it on their YouTube channel. <laughs> wow. So the Golden Tate catch that was ruled not a catch was just taken off the... I, was, I watched it so many times last night and it's not on here now. Oh, here we go. I can watch it on somebody else's. So conspiracy theory over. <laughs> because somebody else has it up here. Oh, this is the same guy. I guess he just reposted it. He was like, screw you, NFL. I'm going to make it happen. Look at this. 
So he catches it, and he kind of like just boom, and he looks like he's in the end zone. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, okay? I'm going to make a statement. Vinny Testaverde years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this. Hopefully you do. My brain's going to take you back a little bit. Vinny Vinny Testaverde played football until he was about 77 years old, I believe. No, he was... All jokes aside, he was, I think he was 41 or 42. So, so Vinny, right, he's he's trying to get, if the Jets win, they get the last playoff spot. Vinny falls, his helmet goes over the threshold of the end zone. The football is tucked outside of the end zone. He has the football in his arms lower, and the football never crosses the threshold, but his helmet does. They roll it a touchdown. Let me take you to Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers against the Seahawks and Sean Alexander in the Super Bowl. Seahawks touchdown in the back of the end zone, catches it. Both feet are in, does the like little ballerina dance, catches it, falls, ruled not a touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger, like Vinny Testaverde, he doesn't look to cross the goal line. It looks like his head did, but the football didn't fully. They rule it a touchdown. You take a touchdown from Seattle, you give a touchdown to Pittsburgh, it literally flips who won and lost the game. You never want to do that. If a call is that close, you don't want to decide a game like that. If it's literally take the touchdown from one team, give it to the other team, and that changes who won the game, you don't want to do that. An official should never be the third team in a game. Ever. So let's watch this again. Catch, fall, it looks like he bounces, okay? It looks like he bounces on a watch in slow motion. So the knee hits like as he's crossing. The ball looks to be over and then his knee bounces. His right knee bounces. The question is, was his left knee already down? Because his left knee, it looks like it either bounced off the ground or he pulled it up at the last possible second. It's so hard to see if he like flexed out his leg to keep it off the ground or if his knee just like touched the ground right before so I'm, I literally freeze-framed it, and the football is almost on the white here. And his leg, yeah, that's too close to call. I'm going to go back and look at it again. Now, because I was going to have a conversation about this based on what I saw last night, but now, okay, so he's above there. Yeah, that's too close to call. And they ruled it a touchdown. They ruled it a touchdown on the field. And you have to have, as Johnny B said, you have to have irrefutable evidence to overturn it. Irrefutable evidence. I asked a question on Twitter. If you haven't voted, you have 11 hours to do so. So I suggest you do it. On Twitter, at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T. Click follow when you go to at CallDT. And then vote in the poll on my timeline. Was Golden Tate in the end zone or not in week three versus the Falcons? 53% of you said yes. 47% of you said no. Very close poll right now. 53% of you, yes. 43% of you, no. Very interesting. But if I'm watching this thing in slow motion, the thing is it was ruled a touchdown, which why wouldn't you? Because in real time, he catches and falls in the end zone. He literally catch, boom. Like, if you see this thing, I do not envy the job of an official because the play happens so fast. How about the play where Larry Fitzgerald caught the ball by the sideline last night against the Dallas Cowboys? You're like, oh my, like, what the? 
That happened so fast, and you're like, boom, catch. J.J. Nelson was almost in, and then they ruled an incomplete pass, and they waited a long time to rule that an incomplete pass. They were like, it was like the 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 official on the sideline right by the play made it look like it was, he made the signal for the catch, and then all of a sudden they're like, are they going to challenge it or not? And then like three minutes later, the official comes up and goes, yeah, that wasn't a that wasn't a catch. And I was like, what do you, that was like three minutes after, but I don't envy an official because in real time, it literally golden Tate catches the ball, falls in the end zone. It's literally like, boom, catch, fall, catch, fall. I mean, it's, it's so quick. Catch the ball, fall, catch the ball, fall. That's all it is. It's just like, bam. It's literally like the ball comes to him and his fate and he just falls face first into the end zone. Very, very quick. When you go back and watch the film though. I don't know. <laughs> kind of looks like. Kind of looks like. Kind of looks like. Kind of looks like his knee goes down, but in real time. And then when you slow this thing down, I'm literally like, I'm telling you right now on the air, I've watched this like six times while we're talking. Because he's like trying to move his legs while he's low to the ground. This looks like his leg is down before he crosses. But then he bounces. It's so difficult. But the thing is, when you go to the replay, the question is, do you have irrefutable evidence? And if I'm sitting here watching this thing 10 times and I don't have irrefutable evidence, it's, it's got to be a touchdown. The thing that I don't like about this is there's eight seconds left on the clock. So you rule it that you rule that it's not a touchdown. And the new rule is... After this isn't ruled a touchdown, there's a 10-second runoff, which puts the clock at negative two seconds, which doesn't give Detroit another down, which means the game is over. That, that, if I was the official, that would have stopped me from making a call. That would have stopped me from making the call. Hands down. If I knew that making this call doesn't, just negate a touchdown, it ends the game? Hell no. Mm-mm. I'm not making that call. I am not making that call. I would get together with all the officials, and they'd be like, this is the call. I'd be like, then you go out there and make it. I am not making that call. The big problem with this catch is that, one, they ruled it a touchdown on the field. So, you need irrefutable evidence to overturn it, like I said. Number two, the 10-second runoff ends the game. You essentially take away two opportunities from Detroit because it was third and goal. They're down 30-26, to 26 and it was third and goal. So, you take away the touchdown... And you take away their next down on fourth and goal. So you take away two opportunities from them to end the game. It'd be different if this was fourth and goal, but it wasn't. It was third and goal. It would be different if it wasn't called a touchdown on the field, but it was. It'd be different if there was irrefutable evidence, but I've watched this thing from last night to today like 20-some-odd times, and I still can't figure out for sure, 100% certain, if I would call that a catch or say his knee was just down before. They ruled it a catch on the field. I cannot, I don't have irrefutable evidence. 
So you take away the touchdown. Like in real time, he caught the ball and fell into the end zone. In real time, there's no question. In real time, boom, Matt Stafford, hike, look, cross route, down. Detroit got boned in that one. Detroit definitely got boned in that one. I don't like that at all. That's an ugly play by the refs. Good play by Detroit. But that's the thing. The 10-second runoff that ends the game doesn't give Detroit another opportunity, takes away their fourth and goal situation. That I would. That's why I would not make that call. That's why I would not make that call. Unless it was blatant. There's not irrefutable evidence to overturn it, and you're taking 10 seconds off, and there's only eight seconds to take, and you are essentially, you are saying the ruling on the stand, the ruling on the field is overturned, touchdown taken back. It's not 32-30 Detroit. It's 30-26 Atlanta. And, oh, by the way, there's a 10-second runoff with the new NFL rule, so now the game is over. So you go from your team's about to win the game to... I mean, you literally go from your team's going to be up by a field goal, 33-30, to 30, after the extra point with eight seconds left for Atlanta to make it to, to try and come back. You go from your team is going to be up by three, Atlanta's got the ball with eight seconds left, to you don't have the touchdown, and there's a 10-second runoff, which means the game is over, so you don't get to play fourth down. I could not make that call. I could not make that call. I would not make that call. I wouldn't make the call. I would not make the call because the 10th, first of all, the 10 second runoff, that's complete BS. That's BS. And the 10 second runoff, because if he didn't cross, but the thing is, if he didn't cross the goal, where the hell was he? You can't, I mean, you, you, you're going to put him on, you're going to put him inside the one. He was, on, if he didn't cross the threshold, he was on the white line. You're going to put him in the middle of the white line of the end zone. You have to think about all the things that go along with this. Where do you spot the ball? Because the ball, if the ball's not in the end zone, it's like the tip of the ball is just outside of the end zone. So you're literally going to put the Lions in the end zone to just run forward. So the 10-second runoff, where do you place the ball? All of this would have made me literally say, no, hell no, hell, hell no. It looked like a touchdown in real time. I can't refute that it's not a touchdown right now. I would say this about Detroit, Jacksonville, Dallas, Atlanta, Green Bay, Seattle, anybody. This was a touchdown. Detroit got boned on this one. That was a touchdown. You can't refute it. And the 10-second runoff, I'm telling you, that would have changed the whole dynamic for me. So if I make this call, I end the game, I take away their fourth down, I take everything. If I end this game from Detroit, I'm not just taking a touchdown from them. I am taking from them multiple things at one time, giving them no response to it. They go from being in the end zone to going into the locker room. How hollow do you make that team feel? You literally don't want to leave the field because you feel like you've left something on it. They need to go back and look at that because they may, you know, they need to go back and look at that. I am not saying 100% that that was a touchdown, but I cannot refute it once you called it a touchdown is what I'm saying. That was such a difficult play, such a difficult, but again, 10 second runoff. Where do you spot the ball? Where do you put the ball on the white line? Do you literally put the ball parallel to the pylon? Is that where you put the ball? Where I literally just have to like fall into the end zone. I'm going to score the 10 second runoff and having another down after that. That is what makes this 
an egregious offense more than anything else. Cleveland and Indianapolis. Cleveland, man, they have knocked on that damn door of winning the game in week one and week three by coming within three points but still didn't do it. There was somebody that told you that Jacoby Brissett's a pretty damn good quarterback who is a third stringer and that he covered him when he was at NC State and that maybe you should pay attention to him. I wonder and I wish I could have that guy on the show today. Oh, wait. He sounds like me. He looks like me. He dresses like me. It's interesting. Jacoby Brissett, 259 yards, 17 to 24, one touchdown, no interceptions, ran the ball five times for 14 yards, and two touchdowns. Hello, and welcome to the world. Andrew Luck has been figured out. Andrew Luck, okay? Number one, in the last couple seasons, Andrew Luck's been injured, and that's a shame, and I hope he gets better and 100% and never gets hurt again, and that his body is good to go for the rest of his life. That's number one. He gets hurt a lot, okay? Andrew Luck gets hurt a lot in recent history. Andrew Luck was throwing interceptions when he was healthy and he was out there. Andrew Luck, and you could say that it had to do with the shoulder, but Andrew Luck has not been the leader that this team needs. We thought he was going to be the leader, but he hasn't been the leader that this team needs. Scott Tolzien could have told you before the games even started, and I did, not the quarterback that you want. You go and get Jacoby Brissett, who was a third stringer in New England, which means that he drank the water in New England, which means he's going to be a good football player forever. But all jokes aside, Jacoby Brissett was not a bad quarterback at NC State. Jacoby Brissett Brissett made games interesting that NC State was not supposed to be in or have any chance of winning. Jacoby Brissett was a steal in the NFL draft. So here's Jacoby Brissett right now after playing his rookie season for the Patriots and almost enacting an entire comeback for the Patriots early on in the season when Tom Brady was out. And then somehow, someway, the Patriots got him on the roster, and Indy comes a call in, and the Patriots go, yeah, you can have him. And Jacoby Brissett goes in there. Andrew Luck's the number one. Scott Tolzien's the number two. Jacoby's the number three. And I told you when the season started and Scott was the starter, guess what? Jacoby Brissett's the best of the two on there. By far, you need to play him. Man, he had two touchdowns in the game on the ground. One touchdown through the air, 259 yards, 17 completions to seven incompletions, no interceptions in the game. Hello? Hi. He's the reason why the Colts won at home. He's the reason why. Simply. Deshaun Kaiser, got to minimize those intos, boy. Got to minimize those intos. Lord, does he have to. Three interceptions, two touchdowns. 22 completions, 25 incompletions. Ugly. Two touchdowns to three interceptions and a touchdown on the ground. Look at the game. Jacoby Brissett in his second year in the NFL. Three touchdowns total. Look at Deshaun Kaiser, rookie in the NFL. Three touchdowns total. What was the difference between the two? Kaiser threw three interceptions. Brissett threw none. That was the difference in the game. The difference in the game was being mistake-free on the side of Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Kaiser equaled Jacoby in touchdowns. But he threw, pardon me, he threw three interceptions. Duke Johnson Jr. woke up a little bit in this game. Top receiver for the team and also got a touchdown on the ground. David Njoku, what... What did I say about my what did I say about my guy out of Miami, David Njoku? When I say I said draft that draft that guy. Draft that guy. 
Evan Engram, David Njoku, two tight ends that are rookies that you should draft and have on your roster because they're going to be starters. David Njoku, week three, he's got two touchdowns as a tight end. Week three, he's got two touchdowns as a tight end. Didn't score in week one, scored in week two and in week three. Back-to-back touchdowns and back-to-back weeks for David Njoku. Obviously a target for Deshaun Kaiser. Obviously Duke Johnson Jr. is a target. Obviously Kenny Britt, as long as he stays healthy, and God bless, he will. Kenny Britt is a target in his ninth season out of Rutgers for Deshaun Kaiser, and he's got a couple touchdowns this season. Deshaun Kaiser threw to 11 different players in this game. 11. And how about Jacoby Brissett? What do we say? T.Y. Hilton's going to be T.Y. Hilton no matter what, right? He's going to find a way no matter what, correct? T.Y. Hilton, 153 yards on seven catches, almost 22 yards a catch and a touchdown in this game. Looked ugly last week in the first week that Jacoby got to be the guy, but look at T.Y. Hilton, outright starter in week three. Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton linking up with each other. Dante Moncrief, two catches for 44 yards. Nine targets to T.Y. Hilton. He caught seven of them. Jack Doyle was quiet, but I would imagine he will score again. He had two catches for 16 yards, which is typical of a tight end. He was targeted five times, though. So a good sign for that, that Jacoby is going after him. But Jacoby Brissett against Deshaun Kaiser. Two good young quarterbacks, but Kaiser has to minimize the interceptions. He's got the, he's got to minimize the blunders. These two equaled each other out outside of those blunders. So good game by both quarterbacks as far as what they were able to do in touchdown output. But Deshaun Kaiser has to rid himself of those turnovers. Jacoby Brissett, I told you all that man was coming. If you gave him a chance, I told you he was going to be here, and he is here. Tampa at Minnesota. Man, you know, Case Keenum, he did some good things in Houston. He did some, you know, I told you recently he did some good things with the Rams, and he did some darn good things in Minnesota. Three touchdowns, no picks, 369 yards, 25 of 33, only eight incompletions. Delvin Cook in the offense with Case Keenum, 97 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Delvin Cook, 72 yards and five catches as well. On the day, Delvin Cook got you 169 all-purpose yards. Stephon Diggs, who had a quiet week last week after having a loud week one, with Sam Bradford, two touchdowns. Quiet last week with Case Keenum. This week with Case Keenum, 173 yards, 11 targets, caught eight of them, two touchdowns for Stephon Diggs. Adam Thielen, not too shabby, didn't get in the end zone, but had 98 yards receiving and was targeted eight times and caught five of those. So if you have Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, or Delvin Cook, you seem to be okay, whether it's Case Keenum or Sam Bradford. Shout out to Case Keenum. We'll see if this is a fluke or not as we move forward, but... You should already look at his time in Houston and his time with the Rams. And I saw his time in Houston. I honestly, looking at the Rams numbers this morning, surprised myself that he was doing that well. But in some of those games with with the with the now Los Angeles Rams, Keenum is not a bad quarterback. He's definitely not a bad backup for you to have. And for him to play the way he played against Tampa, damn. But again, what did I tell you? Jameis Winston, good rookie quarterback, got to minimize the turnovers. He had three interceptions in this game. 328 yards passing, two touchdowns, but he had three interceptions in the game. And Minnesota stunted the run. Jacquez Rogers, five carries for 15 yards, was the best on the team by far. 
the team carried nine times for 26 yards, which looks like the numbers of one guy. That was among four different players. Nine carries for 26 yards. Delvin Cook outdid Tampa Bay's rushing by 71 yards by himself. Deshaun Jackson scored a touchdown. He's inconsistent, but he did get a touchdown and led with 84 yards. Mike Evans had the most targets, though. He had 12 targets, 7 catches, 67 yards. Not too shabby for him. Cameron Brake got the touchdown. He still looks like to be the number one option at tight end for Jameis Winston. They're only two games in, though. Remember, they didn't play week one. Four catches, 33 yards, and a touch. But O.J. Howard's got a catch in both of these games. He's only been targeted once, though, once you know, once in this game, and he caught it for 12 yards. So he's catching it when it's getting thrown his way, but Cameron Braid had four targets. O.J. Howard had one. The tight ends together, 100%. Five targets among the two of them, and they caught all five. But Cameron Braid got four out of five of those targets. So if you have either one of them or both, Cameron Braid looks like he's the guy still right now to play. Mike Evans, not too bad, but it was a quiet day for him. Case Keenum, I can't get over it. Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs are the skill players that if you have in fantasy, you put out there if you have Sam Bradford. But Case Keenum went to work with those gentlemen this week, and congratulations to him for that. New England and Houston, how about this one? How about teams not... I told you week three was going to be... I told you. I had the vibe and the gut feeling that week three was going to be crazy. And boy, was it ever. Houston, who lost to the Jaguars at home 29-7, went on the road to Foxborough against the Patriots and lost by three points in a shootout 36-33. I have said for years that New England's defense isn't that great. Okay? Somehow, someway, they make it to the Super Bowl and they win Super Bowls with a subpar secondary and a not-so-great defense. Well, look at them now. They allowed 33 points at home to the Houston Texans, who the Jaguars' defense allowed seven points to in one score in the third quarter after shutting them out in the first half. The Patriots have firepower, but Jaguars have the better defense. There's a lot of defenses better than New England's defense. Sweet mother. Tom Brady had to throw five touchdowns and be mistake-free by throwing no interceptions. He had 10 incompletions in the game, 25 of 35, but he had to literally not turn the ball over and score five touchdowns for them to win the game by three. And Tom Brady can do that. But what does that say about New England's defense? He's got to get five touchdowns and throw no picks to win the game. Houston stunned the run with Mike Gillisley and company. Mike Gillisley led the team once again for three weeks in a row, but he didn't score for the first time in three weeks. Brandon Cooks finally started to look like that weapon that would be resurrected as New England always does with weapons from other teams. He had five catches, targeted seven times, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Chris Hogan had two touchdowns. That was very Chris Hogan of him. And Rob Grin- who I, I think Chris Hogan's an automatic play every week for you, especially if you have a flex position and you can play up to three or four wide receivers. Rob Gronkowski had a touchdown in the game, targeted more than anybody else ten times, eight catches, One touchdown, 89 yards in the game. DeAndre Hopkins, being DeAndre Hopkins, still had 76 yards despite not having a touchdown. Deontay Foreman, how about this? 25 yards on the ground, giving eight carries to Lamar Miller's 14. And he was the second highest receiver with 65 yards. Targeted three times, caught two of them. So Deontay Foreman got you 90 yards of total offense if you played him. 
Ryan Griffin scored a touchdown and Bruce Ellington scored a touchdown. Raise your hand if you have either one of them. Then put your hand down because you're lying to me. Bruce Ellington, San Francisco wide receiver who came to Houston in his first season with the Houston Texans. He had two touchdowns in two years in San Francisco. None in 2015-16. Nothing in 2016-17. No stats for that year. 2014-15, he had two touchdowns. and then He has not scored a touchdown in two years until he scored in this game for Houston. Hasn't scored a touchdown in two years. And Ryan Griffin, the tight end for the team, five catches, 61 yards in his fifth season out of UConn. Had a pretty good game here, but he is consistently inconsistent. Deshaun Watson, two interceptions, changes the game. Take those interceptions away, and dare I say Houston wins on the road in Foxborough, and that means the Patriots lose to the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs at home in Foxborough with Tom Brady healthy and Bill Belichick on the sideline. Wow. So I don't know how much of a win this is for New England. I know that as the season goes on, a win is a win. But teams should be watching the film of Kansas City, New England, and Houston, New England. And you got to take advantage of this because this defense is giving you a lot. If you can get on Tom Brady and you can get after Tom Brady, look out. He, once again, he had to throw the... The off, the, listen, the rushing attack did nothing. 20 carries for 59 yards. This entire game was Tom Brady putting the team on his back, which he's done 150 billion times. But this is what the game was. Without Tom Brady, one mistake by Tom Brady, they lose to the Texans in Foxborough. That should be telling of, that should be very telling to you of the Patriots this season. They are very beatable, but you got to get to the porcelain doll that is Tom Brady. Miami and the Jets. I saw this game, and I'm like, okay, they're playing at home, New York Jets, in MetLife Stadium, and this will be the game that <laughs> that they'll lose. And remember, when I had Ross Turetsky on the show recently, he said that, you know, him and I both agreed, when we, were, we went through the whole schedule and said, how many games could the Jets win? And we agreed it was like three to four. And I said, you know, with the Dolphins game, it was a toss-up that they're going to probably split with the Dolphins. And we said that they would win one of those games, that it, you can argue they could win one of those games. And they friggin' did. 20 to 6. How gross is that? 20 to 6. They win the game. Matt Hack, the rookie punter out of Arizona State, he had a throw in this game. He was 0 for 1 and he threw an interception. That wasn't good for Miami. Josh McCown doing just enough. One touchdown, no picks. Bilal Powell got his first touchdown of the season. That's enough to make everybody that bought into him want to play him every single week, probably. I don't understand the hype of Bilal Powell. I don't get it. I like him as a person, and I love interviewing him. Fantasy football-wise, I have to detach from that. I don't understand the fascination with Bilal Powell. Do you know He has been with this team for years, and nothing has happened. Nothing good has happened with Bilal Powell scoring for you in fantasy and getting in the end zone. And Matt Forte, he was the entire offense of Chicago at times. Matt Forte is a shell of 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 somebody who they called Matt Fort and then realized it was Matt Forte. That's how far away he's gotten from himself. It is not his forte for fantasy football. How about that? I love you. That was for you. Jay Ajayi, 11 carries for 16 yards. 
what an atrocious day for him. A lot of running backs, a lot of a lot of teams that you thought could run the ball just just really crapped out in week three. Devontae Parker, I said, listen, he's going to be that number one guy. He's got an opportunity to be that number one guy. Jarvis Landry, 11 targets. Devontae Parker, 10 targets. Very close now, closer than it's been. How about this for Jay Cutler, though? He gets three. He targets three receivers at least 10 times in this game. Devontae Parker catches 8 of 10. Kenny Stills catches 4 of 10. Jarvis Landry catches 6 of 11. Best one, Devontae Parker catches 8 of 10, 80%, 76 yards to lead the team, and got a touchdown. Thank you, Devontae Parker, because he's on my fantasy football roster. Jermaine Kearse did not score a touchdown in this game, but Robbie Anderson did. Raise your hand if you have Robbie Anderson, who's led the team two weeks in a row in receiving yards. Second season out of Temple. Put your hand down, you liars. Lying to me all day long today. I don't get it. This was such an ugly game. So freaking atrocious. But it says a lot about the team. When Jay Ajayi and the team can't run the ball, you get blown out by the Jets. It's not something to go home and clap about by any stretch of the imagination. We're going to take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Really, really, really quick fast break, and we will be right back to cover the rest of the NFL in the 9 to 11 a.m. show that has now gone, will go, three hours this morning. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or HondaCity-CNY.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing 
their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner, home of the Dan Tortora special, my spin on the breakfast sandwich, located on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. Getting to the rest of the NFL in today's showcase, wall-to-wall NFL Week 3 coverage. How about that Giants-Eagles game? I picked the Eagles to win this game, but it took a 61-yard field goal to do it. As time expired, Jake Elliott got the team to a tie with a 46-yard field goal and with 51 seconds left. And then the team kicked another field goal with 61 yards away to win the game. What an amazing game. The story's got to be Jake Elliott. I don't want to mention anybody else. I mean, I could say LeGarrette Blunt scored a touchdown and Zach Ertz, and I told you to play them both. But Jake Elliott, if you didn't know the name, get to know it. 61 yards outside. Congratulations to you, young buck, for going to work. New Orleans and Carolina. Wow, it was Cam Newton the exact opposite of Drew Brees. Drew Brees, 22 of 29 for three touchdowns, no picks. Cam Newton, 17 to 26, no touchdowns, three picks. Christian McCaffrey, not the runner that we're hoping that he would be into three weeks in the NFL, but darn it, was he the leading receiver on the team. Targeted more than anybody 11 times, caught nine of them for 101 yards. Christian McCaffrey getting you 117 total yards of offense. Michael Thomas doing his thing. Ted Ginn Jr., the timeless man, got into the end zone. And I didn't play Mark Ingram because I don't like what's going on there. He only got 56 yards, but he did have 30 yards uh, receiving. Alvin Kamara, the rookie, drafted in the third round, seems to get more and more as the weeks go by. If you don't have him, pick him up. One touchdown in this game, the only rushing touchdown for the Saints. And Adrian Peterson continues to be a non-factor, 37 yards of total offense, catching and rushing the ball for Adrian Peterson. It's just totally disgusting and ugly, and I just really don't know where they're going with him. The next game I want to talk about, Seattle and Tennessee. This is a very emotional game. If I was an official, and anybody talked to me the way that Richard Sherman did following me down the field, I would have taken him out of the game. If that was college basketball, you're gone. If it's NBA, you're potentially gone, depending on what your name is. If it was Major League Baseball, you would be out of there. So, very surprising that the NFL... The NFL lets so many things go that I wouldn't let go. So, not a fan of that when that stuff happens. You got to lock that in. I understand being upset, but he was going after him with anger in his eyes and screaming in his face and... Richard Sherman literally looked like a man like about to lose it, and that's not a good way to run it. Russell Wilson, the eternal fantasy quarterback that is inconsistent, 373 yards, four touchdowns, no picks in this game, but last week was a non-factor relatively. Paul Richardson, I keep telling you, consider him. He scored again one touchdown off of two catches. Doug Baldwin targeted 15 times, 105 yards, caught 10 of them with a touchdown. Dougie Baldwin has been the guy for a long time. For Seattle, Chris Carson didn't do that well <clears throat> as far as running the ball, 34 yards. The team didn't do that well. He had 60, or they had 69, so he had 34 of the 69 yards rushing. 
but receiving Chris Carson was able to get a touchdown in the game. Rashard Matthews and Eric Decker continue to impress somewhat enough to put you as a wide receiver four on the team at least. Rashard a wide receiver three or Decker a three. DeMarco Murray back to scoring the ball, 115 yards on the ground on 14 carries. 8.2 yards a carry against a Seattle defense that's supposed to be stout and had a touchdown. This is the way DeMarco Murray played last year, so good to see him doing that. Marcus Mariota, not too shabby, not great on completion percentage, but did have no picks to two touchdowns in the game. Going on to the next game here, and my notes, Cincinnati and Green Bay. This is another one where I was like, yeah, Cincinnati's going to get killed by Green Bay. Haven't scored a touchdown in their first two games over eight quarters. And I was like, yep, just because I say it, whenever something looks way too easy in the NFL, it always ends up spinning the other way or almost getting there like it did in this game. Andy Dalton, mistake-free, no interceptions, two touchdowns in the game. Joe Mixon, 62 yards, respectable. A.J. Green looked like himself, 10 catches on 13 targets, 111 yards and a touchdown. Giovanni Bernard used in the passing game again for the second time in three weeks. That was good. Geronimo Allison, who I'm sure is available out there, 122 yards to lead Green Bay over Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. But Jordy had two touchdowns. Ty Montgomery was held quiet in this game by Cincinnati's defense. Another surprise. But in overtime, Green Bay is able to win the game thanks to, in regulation, going as the clock was going down, somehow, someway, Aaron Rodgers threaded the needle and got the pass into Jordy Nelson in an insane, insane pass and completion. And that was another touchdown in the end zone that you could have refuted. But it ended up being a touchdown for the Green Bay Packers. As far as the Chiefs go in this game, Chiefs and the Chargers on the road, I picked the Chiefs to win. I feel like the Chiefs, if they keep playing the way they are, the Chiefs have a shot at getting to the Super Bowl this year. And I didn't stutter when I said that. This was a tale of mistake-free versus a ton of mistakes again. Multiple games look like this this week. Alex Smith, two touchdowns, no picks. Phillip Rivers, no touchdowns, three picks in the game. Kareem Hunt, 10 yards a carry, 17 carries for 172 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill leads receiving, 5 catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 183 total yards of offense. The man is insanity. Tyrell Williams on the other side as a receiver hasn't done that much. 2 catches for 15 yards. He's been quiet. Hunter Henry, non-factor for the second time in three weeks. Keenan Allen, five catches for 61 yards. Travis Benjamin, every week it seems to be a different guy for Los Angeles in receiving. This week, Travis Benjamin, 100 yards. Keenan Allen in other weeks. Tyrell Williams has done better but hasn't been that great. Melvin Gordon, 79 yards in a touchdown, but he didn't play the entire game. He only played part of the game. So he did get you some fantasy points. Fantasy points. And my best to him moving forward as far as his health goes. He got you points. I mean, this is a man who even when he doesn't play a full game due to injury, still got something done for you. So be happy with that. We'll take a step aside here for the final fast break of the show, and we'll come back to wrap up this broadcast and this wall-to-wall content on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. 
Hi, this is Sal Lamedico, owner and operator of Sal's Pizza and Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Ballersville. We're family owned and operated since 2002. We take pride in customer service and quality of food. Where it's paramount, we don't choose between both. We offer carry-out, delivery, and catering. Or you can bring your family and friends in and enjoy a friendly staff and comfortable atmosphere. Trivia is offered once a week, every Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call us at 315-638-8505 or visit us online at salspizzabville.com. We're here at Sal's Pizza Restaurant. We're more than pizza. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the show. Inside the Morning Menu, probably presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage to round out the broadcast. My thoughts on the Redskins and the Raiders. The Raiders, absolutely atrocious in this game. Only scored 10 points in the game. They're on the road in Washington, but they allow 27 to the Washington, D.C. Redskins. Chris Thompson, for the third week in a row, scores. If you don't have him on your roster, you're insane. This man had 25.7 yards of carry last week. Absolute insanity. Vernon Davis sighting. How about this? Vernon Davis gets a touchdown, the former tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, who was part of the judges that Demi, the champion of Dream Job for ESPN down at Hollywood Studios a few years back. Thank you to Vernon once again for his kind words and for spending some time with me after the show. Josh Doxing got a touchdown. This is his rookie year because he was injured last year as a rookie, so I consider this one to be his rookie year. But, yeah, I mean, it, this was all Washington. I was completely surprised in this game. The Redskins right now are 2-1. and one. They lost to the Eagles. They defeated the Rams at the Rams, which is looking like a better win right now than it has before and in recent history. And then they defeated the Raiders. They'll be at the Chiefs, so they'll have 
an opportunity to show really what they're made of by playing one of the best teams in the NFL right now, going up against the Chiefs, Washington will be soon. Dak Prescott and company for the Cowboys, I picked him to win the game, but I didn't think that they would look this good in the game. Four touchdowns in the game, Dak Prescott had a 10-yard carry. Des Bryant scored, Bryce Butler scored, he's another sleeper for the team, and Ezekiel Elliott scored later on in the game to silence everything for good with 4.57 left to play in this game. You know, Larry Fitzgerald got a touchdown in the game and made some awesome grabs, made a hell of a grab out of the, you know, by the sideline, jumped up in the air, didn't have the ball, looked like the defender had the ball, pulled it out of the hands of the defender, went down with it. He looked like a crab in the air. He's got legs out, arms out, got his hand on the ball, flipping over, stays in bounce. Somehow he did it. He's still one of the greatest of all time, seriously, and one of the greatest players right now. 13 catches, targeted more than anybody else 15 times, 149 yards and a touchdown. Awesome, 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 awesome play. Andre Ellington and Chris Johnson did try really hard in the absence of David Johnson, and they did some good things, but overall the team did not look good as a whole rushing the ball. 21 carries for 49 yards. Cowboys didn't look good either. 26 carries for 99 yards. However, Ezekiel Elliott didn't have nine carries for eight yards. In this game, he had 22 for 80 and a touchdown. So, obviously, Zeke, 100 yards in week one, 80 yards in week three, nine carries for eight yards. You got to look at that game and be suspect of, well, I just had a bad game against Denver. No, it kind of looks like you gave up because Arizona doesn't have a bad defense. Bryce Butler... 90 cat or 90 yards to lead the team above Des Bryant and above Terrence Williams. Really nice play by Bryce Butler in this game. And Bryce Butler and Cole Beasley, those are the guys that fantasy wise you can't trust every week. But in reality, the Cowboys can trust that they're going to help the team out in the 11th hour. So shout out to both of them. Polls on Twitter right now. Are you boycotting the NFL because some players, coaches, staff are taking a knee during the national anthem? 60%, 67% of you said, no, I'm not boycotting the NFL. 33%, 33% of you said, yes, I am because of that. Are you boycotting the NFL because Colin Kaepernick is not on a team? 100% of you said, no, that is not the reason. Where do you stand on the NFL boycott? of you said you're boycotting because you want Kaepernick to play. 14% of you said you're boycotting the NFL because you support Trump. And ironically, 43% of you are boycotting because you don't like the kneeling. And 43% of you are not boycotting. So it is equal right now from boycott to non-boycott. And it has to do with the kneeling or not with the kneeling and whatnot. I will see you tonight out in Oswego at our first inaugural show of the second year of the series of my live coaches show with Oswego State, the exclusive provider of the Oswego State Coaches Show, Greensdale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street, Oswego. Come and see us 7 p.m. tonight with Dan Kane, the Oswego State Lakers head coach. Tomorrow's show, Bob Casulo, a longtime assistant throughout the NFL at Syracuse and throughout college football, is going to be talking to me about college football, the NFL, to kneel or not to kneel, his overall thoughts on politics and everything else. And we'll be discussing Roll Tide, Johnny, ironically. Can anybody beat Alabama? So huge, huge show with Bob Casulo tomorrow morning, starting bright and early at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'll talk with you then, and God bless. Have a great day and be well. We went three hours today, and I hope you enjoyed it. And apparently I'm running for president.